is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Happy Thursday and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. you got a lot going on today and what a great night we had last night. We'll get into that in a minute, but again, thank you to everybody that showed up and showed out for uh, the Winnipeg Sports Talk group night at the ballpark. Over 100 of you joined us last night. It was an absolute pleasure to be out there. And we'll actually check in with Andrew Collier from the Gold Eyes. they got a big weekend coming up with a bunch of really cool promos beginning with their country night tonight. So uh, we'll head back there, and uh, hopefully the place is still standing after what was uh, a really, really fun evening with uh, tons of viewers and listeners. And of course, a nice win for the fish. So they've put up a half dozen insurance runs in the eighth and got a nice win as they uh, continued some recent hot play at home. Um, so we will check in with Andrew at the ballpark. We're also going to get into a uh, little bit of preseason NFL chat with former Super Bowl winning quarterback Sean King of VEASAN a little bit later on. And Kenny Weave is going to jump on the program as well. We'll uh, get the latest from Weave's world in this offseason uh, about what's happening in and around the National Hockey League and more. And, you know, today I, I was just thinking, and uh, we always say that, you know, that day, whatever, after the Major League Baseball All-Star game is the most dead sports day of the year. I might say that today is. Um, we don't have a CFL game tonight. The uh, week is going to get going tomorrow, and there's a doubleheader on Saturday. The Jays are off today as they travel back from L.A. after playing the Dodgers, ready to open up a season tomorrow, um, or a new series tomorrow. And, of course, um, the Women's World Cup, which is well underway down under, kind of be playing in the middle of the night. So, you know what we're going to do before Ken comes on today? figured it was a great time to um, speak with a couple of folks from the new Winnipeg Jets season ticket holder advisory committee. Um, and we'll do that a little later on. Have a couple of folks. If you recall last year, there was a bit of a call out to, um, you know, people that were season ticket holders um, that wanted to work and give significant feedback throughout the year, um, you know, on the packages as well as the season ticket holder benefits and all of those things. And listen, there's a lot of work going on right now. I think we all want that building to be full. Um, so we're going to talk to, uh, Brian Alexiak and Rena Prefontaine in a few minutes on uh, their involvement in the committee, um, as well as what's going on in this off season. As uh, you know, we try and get a few more butts in seats and get that atmosphere back to uh, max levels in uh, in the arena. So I'm looking forward to that, and of course, we'll really dive into a bunch of the uh, hockey topics with Ken Weeb a little bit later on. Um, just before we bring in Michael Remus. A big shout-out and thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Of course, CoolBet, Princess Auto, Aquatech and Modern Man, Canadian Club and Manitoba Battery, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Nick & Nicky DQ, BP and Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, and the great taste of Little Brown Jug. Not sure that there's many generics still at the ballpark today. They might have been making a run down to Little Brown Jug because I saw a lot of those in our group last night. Uh, let's get it going. Michael Rivas joins us now. Rima, what a great time last night. That was so much fun. Um, you know, we sold 90 tickets, and there were even more than that. People just bought them separately, came over and said hello. 
Um, so much fun to see everyone. A lot of familiar faces and uh, names in the chat that we've met at previous things and a bunch of new people coming out and a lot of people telling us, you know, this is their first time at the ballpark in a while. We had a great spot, Section D in left field where, you know, we were just hanging out on the patio. You could sit in the seats, sample, you know, good beers, good food, weather was even though we had the tornado warning on the way oh. in the car, um, it was great. Maybe a little humid, but that's that's okay. Um, but it was it was so much fun, and uh, it gets me excited to do um, more stuff like that, and excited all the support that we have from everyone uh, listening. It was it was a really cool event, and great to you know um, you know meet a lot of meet a lot of different people and have some great conversations. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was just, uh, it was so much fun. And that's what going to the ballpark is all about, you know, eating, drinking, getting together with friends. And we did that on a large scale last night. Special shout out to Darren Bombing and Zach Schnitzer, who, of course, do great bomber coverage over on Bonfire, who popped over. Um, definitely the, uh, oh, and Cowboys in the chat. Cowboy was there in one of those sweet old uh, Gold Eyes hockey jerseys. That was nice. Thumbs up to the barbecue bowl with the generic and thanks for the swag. Um, and we should give a shout out to Derek Schmidt, who's certainly we have the youngest WS tier and listener in the ballpark. Of course, we all remember when Derek had a baby last month. Well, that baby made their debut at the ballpark last night. Uh, but overall, it was great. We got to give a special shout out and congratulations to Mary Jane. Because, of course, Mary Jane's been a regular in the chat for a while, always positive and saying great things and nice things uh, and, you know, getting along with everyone. Uh, and we actually did not meet Mary Jane originally when she came out, uh, but she ended up being the big winner of a uh, great Gold Eyes prize pack that we got from Andrew and the team. So it was great. That was a perfect example of someone new that we hadn't met in person. And many of the usual suspects were there. I mean, Kabilis and Tico Napoli and Jet Oil Tom and Running Man. We could go down the list. Um, and I want to thank uh, a good friend of mine, Dom, who uh, picked up, I think, 10 seats and brought a big crew. And uh, a belated happy birthday to our guy, Rory, who was there with a uh, with a big crew as well to uh, to take in the uh, festivities and a night at the game. So, um, uh, you know, as I tweeted out last night, I can't thank everyone else, uh, enough for the uh, the support of what we've been doing and heard so many nice things about the show from everyone there last night. Uh, but it gets me more excited to do more of these dreamers. I mean, we've grown, we've done a couple of the sports trivia nights out at little Brown jug. We've now done this. Um, I think there's uh, a real potential to uh, continue to grow this as we, uh, as we, uh, you know, keep on uh, building up Winnipeg sports talk and getting into the new season. Yeah. Sure. It's a one bird who was there. Who's like, Hey, everyone crowd hustle and get a group photo. This is just, you know, a small group of the guys who were <laughs> on uh, the patio there. Uh, pretty awesome. And shout out to Travis, who pick, went to Dollarama, picked up some yes. name tags and a Sharpie, and was going around and um, giving everyone was putting their names on their shirt. Uh, so there were a couple their people. YouTube names, which yeah, was their, the best part about their, it. <laughs> their YouTube names. Yeah, I see uh, Rob Pepper, who I've been playing in our DraftKings contest. I never met him in person. And I, you know, I'm not a guy who's going to maybe go up to people like, hey, are you this person? But. Uh, I saw the name. I said hello. I saw some other other people as well. Um, you know, we handed out a lot of what uh, cool bet merch, some WST merch. Uh, that was super fun. Uh, great night and great weather. And the Gold Eyes won too. We saw. You know, I know there was hail damage in 
well, in Selkirk or outside the city. The only yeah. damage uh, to your car was outside the ballpark after that bomb from Torres. So that was on his birthday. Yeah, whoever, whoever had that white car parked out on uh, <laughs> outside the ballpark took one right on the hood uh, as a few balls were flying out last night. Um, uh, and again, you know, a big crew there. There's real deal Neil. Yeah. Um, he's in front of me with the uh, with with the beer and T Conapoli in front and the entire crew and yeah, there's Travis back left, who definitely was MVP for doing something we should have thought of ourselves, um, but uh, came to the rescue and those name tags with everyone's handle from the chat really really did add to it. But um, overall, just a perfect night and, and as far as the weather goes, I mean, you mentioned that we're rolling in. Um, to the ballpark, and all of a sudden that the phones start going off with a tornado warning, and and I knew that there was a watch, but that was a little ominous. And I mean, literally, we were so lucky uh, because that supercell exploded just north of the city. Um, and man, if you have seen some of the videos online, like the size of the hail baseball there was one that looked like a freaking grapefruit um but a ton of hail lots of damage in certain areas i know bozager they thought that they got a touchdown i heard that a bus was turned over um and into the fisher river area massive hail um so we definitely dodged a bullet but certainly thinking about anyone that uh, has a big cleanup to do today and if you saw, Remus, you know I'm a bit of an amateur weather nerd. I mean, the satellite photos of that storm coming together and exploding. At one point, it was a supercell that had a diameter of about 275 kilometers. Um, luckily, going east away from the city, so it did not impact the game. Um, but that was, I mean, I can't remember a cell, a storm like that, coming up even around us never mind starting right there so we did dodge a bullet but uh it certainly made for some wild wild shots on uh x and instagram if you're uh if you're following it yeah i mean you know, we were kind of nervous pulling in but again weather was good in the city and hopefully no one had any too crazy damage but uh it was a great night i think everyone seeing a lot of people in the chat here uh today commenting Derek says, "Great to put a face to Tristan Rivers." Who was oh, there? A lot of, the a lot first, of people. The first couple, it, the it couple of WST. <laughs> Tristan and Candace made the appearance as always, and yeah. uh, it was great to see them. Pretty much everyone in chat. I see Bruce there, Dan Jets fan. Um, the uh, the crew there, of course, Phyllis and Bridget were there. Um, it was, uh, anyways. It was it was really fun. Uh, can't thank everyone enough for uh, for coming out and. Uh, as they say, if we continue to get that sort of support and turnout, we're uh, going to keep on having uh, having more events at uh, other games and you know uh, other establishments, shall we say, in and around. Yeah, I'll say yeah. If you want, if you want to be keep getting notified, and maybe you don't listen every day uh, to the podcast, which you probably should, but I know not everyone does. Um, follow us on all the social medias, you know, Sports Tech WPG. But we all I'll send out a we have a mailing list. WinnipegSportsTalk.com, scroll to the bottom and just enter your, your name and your email. And I did send, I sent out an email for this one. I don't send out, I don't flood anyone's inbox, but once in a while, it's, hey, if we're getting an event, a good way to reach people. 
directly. So uh, winnipegsportstalk.com, scroll to the bottom, sign up for our mailing list because uh, we hope to do more of these because we've had such great turnout. The, the trivia night, it's funny, if you do the trivia night, and I'm always like worried like about, oh, are people going to show up? People going to be there? It's like full house, amazing. This one I knew is uh, nine, we sold 90 tickets and there are even more people who uh, Derek McGoran couldn't figure out how to buy the ticket on her website, but <laughs> made, it, made it there any, anyways. And it was great, great meeting. Great meeting him. Uh, who, uh, Thomas Penner bought me a beer. And I, I told him I'd give him a shout out for that. Traded him a WST t-shirt for a beer. So um, it, was, it was a great night. I came home. I, was, I came home. I was wiped. It was hot out. I came home and fell asleep. Uh, just sat on the couch and... Uh, Lay, you know, didn't lay down, sat on the couch and fell asleep. So it was good. I did the exact opposite of you. I went <laughs> out for a few more hours with a few of the fellas that, that were there. And by the way, maybe the funniest thing that happened away from all of us. Oh, yeah. Was Michael Remus meeting one of our most loyal and longtime sponsors and Greg Hasbeek from Royal Sports, having absolutely no clue who he was because for all the amount of communications and whatnot, had never met Greg before. Yeah. So I got, I got a, a play-by-play of that from my pal Rob Barnsley, who was there watching it and said the entire interaction was one of the most hilarious things that he's seen in a long time. And I'm like, yeah, only Remus. Only yeah, Remus. well, he met up. I was walking around, like, handing out koozies. Like, do you know who I am? And he looked like a someone who's familiar to me. And I'm like, should I? And he goes, I'm Greg Hasbeek. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I've, I've texted with Greg. We've emailed. Uh, he's been a sponsor with the Royals since... You know, before we even started, I just felt like such an asshole. Uh, and he's like, I'm like, I don't think we've ever actually met in person. So maybe I shouldn't feel bad, but maybe I, I probably, I feel really dumb um, not knowing that information just because all the support um, that Royal has, has given us since, you know, again, before we started. So that was, yeah, that, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that that was, was hilarious. I laughed so hard when he described I, it to me. Um, as yeah, I said, I mean, I've known Greg for a long time. They've been with us, but that, you know, coming out of the pandemic, that's a reality. But, uh, you know, it, it's just great. We've done a couple of these events. I'm getting Remo out into the wild a little bit more. Maybe we'll get him up in the uh, in the 300s for the uh, for the hockey season a few I, times next yeah, year. Yeah, I the, do. Uh, up in the seats. Um, um, but again, you know, thanks. And, uh, you know, I've been with Gold Eyes. We're talking maybe doing a Bombers, obviously. Sea Bears right now. I mean, there's just going to be that one more game, but um, next year we'll do something like that. And um, and you know, it's actually an interesting tie-in from what we're going to be talking about in a few minutes with um, uh, with a couple folks that um, you know have uh, donated their time over the last ten months to the Winnipeg Jets season ticket holder advisory committee. Um, there's a lot of work going on, you know, with True North with all the organizations to put butts in seats. I think it's a far more difficult job to do now than it was pre-pandemic and in the past. I think that goes without saying. Um, so, uh, listen, if there's a little bit of inventory, we can uh, pack some people in. Maybe we'll even do a jet game at some point uh, At some point next year. Um, but I am looking forward to having this conversation because I think most of you know, uh, I mean, I have a background not in big J journalism or anything like that, but spent a lot of time working for a number of the teams here in Winnipeg and uh, and abroad as well with Hockey Canada and the Oilers. And I, I always think back to the work that needed to be done 
after the Jets left um, when I was with the Moose. And, I mean, the first year was an absolute disaster. I mean, everyone had a bad taste in their mouth about losing the hockey club. Uh, and that first year of Moose hockey was a bit of a disaster and that the team wasn't very good, to be honest with you, even at that level. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, I think gave the opportunity to the product the first year. Um, and then it just wasn't hitting for them. And the work that was done behind the scenes to get people to give it another chance. Um, I mean, I was just a kid selling tickets at the time. But we had a program called the Team Builder Program. There was a lot of well-intentioned people that believed in hockey and pro hockey and, you know, having, you know, a, an outlet throughout the brutal Winnipeg winters for people to get together. And, you know, there's a lot of people that were very busy, very successful in their regular lives that spent a lot of time with young pup like me helping, you know, create some connections with other people in the business community um, and really helped a lot out just kind of teaching, you know, me and some of the other younger people working there um, about networking. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a passion-filled project. And, you know, the Winnipeg Jets are one of only two teams in the NHL that have put together a season ticket holder advisory committee. They're the only Canadian team. The other one might surprise you is the Boston Bruins. Um, but they did put out sort of a report on everything that's happened. And in a lot of ways, I mean, I think at this time of year, when I know some of you, you know, want to support the team, but maybe you've had a tough time having partners, um, you know, come in with season tickets or a couple people in your group dropped out and you don't have them right now. I think they've done some really innovative things to try to make it as inclusive as possible, give people more opportunities to, you know, uh, to, to be a part of, of a season ticket holder pack or uh, be a member of the, of the club. Um, and obviously knowing that it's very difficult for most people to get to 41 games a year. So we're going to talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. And then we'll dive more into a little bit of off-season talk with Ken Weeb coming up uh, in uh, about 20, 25 minutes. Just before we get to all of this, though, Remo, as I said, there's not a lot going on today as far as the, the newswire or anything like that. Logan Cooley is uh has signed with the coyotes everyone thought that needed said basically he was going back to the university of minnesota so arizona's gonna have another talented young player drafted very high in the draft that'll be into the mix but Reem, the biggest sports story to me and in some ways we can kind of tie this into the winnipeg jets because we've been spending a lot of time talking about well what happens if shifley and hellebuck are with the club what happens at the trade deadline how difficult the situation will that be if the team is in a playoff spot to potentially move players that might not be there next season for assets. Well, I'm not sure there's ever been a more fascinating case involving something like that than what's going on with the LA Angels right now. And we'd heard all this um, bluster that maybe Otani would be traded, certainly where the team is at in the standings and the fact that he may very well leave. A player of that stature could almost reset, you know, your, your entire minor league system and your future. The Angels have gone the absolute opposite way. Last night, a big trade getting Lopez and Giolito from the Chicago White Sox for two of their top three prospects. And the Angels have said, despite that they are out of the playoffs, that they are going all in right now, doing everything they can, I'm sure, to show Shohei Otani that they're committed to winning and there will be brighter days, even if it doesn't happen this year. But my God, man, the risks that that team is taking 
trading their top prospects to add to a team right now that is the third uh, team, uh, three teams out of the wild card spot right now. Um, it is going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out. Yeah, we were been talking about Otani quite a bit. Um, you know, one of the greatest players like, ever hitting and pitching. Um, the combination that he can provide and what his contract after the season. I mean, what's going to happen? Because the Angels have had him and Mike Trout for a while, and they've never done anything. They've never made it to the playoffs. And here they are, four games out of the wild card, and they've expanded the playoffs, three wild card spots. Toronto holding down that third spot right now. And we thought, oh, they're going to trade Otani and get a big haul. No, they went the opposite way. As you said, they get uh, Lucas Giolito, who's a former you know, top prospect. He's kind of blossomed in. Uh, a very good starter with Chicago, Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, you know, he's a reliever now. And they, you know, they went that way. Will they add more? Uh, I was surprised that that's where they went to, but it's the Angels saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, we're trying to we're trying to win here. Uh, we want to make the playoffs." Like, and if they do lose Otani, be a big reset eh, anyway. So um, those guys won't be able to help them for a couple of years. And uh, Chicago got a nice haul with two prospects, but the Angels making a statement saying, "You know what? We're going for it," and good for them because. It's been a rough go for a while where you have these two best players doing things you've never seen and zero teams, well, not zero team success, but zero playoff success. You know, they haven't even had a chance for playoff success because they haven't been there. So um, I do have Giolito in two fantasy leagues. I'm curious how this will affect uh, his, <laughs> his value. Um, but, um, you know, that's going to be a story as we approach you know, the deadline. We did have another trade today. Uh, Rosario going to the Dodgers for Noah Stindergaard to the Guardians. And we'll see if the Angels make any of their moves. And we'll also wait for the Jays. The Jays did make a move, a minor move, what, yesterday, getting a, a relief pitcher uh, from Seattle again. So, um, again, yeah, that's, that's where we're at here with about, the Otani story. Yeah, well, and I'll say this about the Angels and Artie Marino, um, the owner. Um, he's not cheap. Um, he has done what it has taken to sign Mike Trout long term. Obviously, they had to spend a ton of money and very had the foresight as well <laughs> to get Otani. Um, you know, we all remember the Pujols deal. I mean, they have spent a, a ton of money at times, Anthony Rendon, uh, but it just hasn't worked. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Um, <laughs> And it, it may end up blowing up in their faces. I mean, there's a ton of risk involved with a move like this, considering what was potentially waiting for them if they moved on Otani. But to me, Otani is such a unicorn and such a franchise-changing player, Reem, that doing everything they can to make the playoffs, to win, to, to do something this year, I think in some way they must feel that that's their only hope to keeeping this guy because if he walks out the door, which he still may, it's almost a complete franchise reset anyways, even with Mike Trout signed long-term. Yeah, so crazy what a situation they have. And, um, you know, what a player. I know we were talking to some people at uh, the night yesterday, going to Toronto to see Otani play the Blue Jays this weekend. And, um, you know, done things that we haven't seen in, I don't know, 100 years in baseball, pitching and hitting. So, you know, try to win and, you know, hopefully by winning, you can convince him to stay. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that, it was the sort of the big story, you know, over the last 12, 18 hours um, in baseball. And 
as I said, we've spent a lot of time talking about how things are going to shake out this season if the two players that are still on the club that were most rumored to be potentially on the move with expiring contracts in Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley, what sort of situation that will put the general manager in. And I mean, the background of a season, if of course they are here, because they're still very, very productive players, um, maybe a little bit different than the Angels who have always thrown around a ton of money in free agency and you know, have had some success in getting people to go there. It hasn't always been the blueprint for, and, and probably ever will be the blueprint of how the Winnipeg Jets use, uh, you know, build their club. So um, we, we thought it was an interesting parallel and obviously a huge story in Major League Baseball. Well, speaking of building the club, um, you know, there's building the uh, team on the ice and of course there's building the team off the ice and there's been, uh, I think, a lot of work to do in the True North offices and with the fan base over the last couple of years, um, you know, to try to curb erosion of those 13,000 season ticket holders that were there from day one, um, improve the experience, improve benefits and what more. And we're going to talk to a couple of people that have devoted a lot of time to the season ticket holder advisory committee on that in just a minute. Um, before we do that, I... I got to give a shout out to Bobby B in chat. And Bobby has been one of our biggest supporters, bought a ton of WST merch. And I saw Bobby last night at the game and had a nice chat with him. And he mentioned Reem that his old barber clay, the clipper had just retired recently. And literally on that same day, he was listening to Winnipeg sports talk and knew that modern man barbershop was supporting us. And now Bobby B is a modern man guy. Um, and that's just great to hear with the way uh, you all support the uh, the sponsors here. Uh, but heck, Modern Man is just an unbelievable shop to go into. And it's very convenient. Eight locations in Winnipeg, including two new locations, one on Pemina Highway and the other on Plessy Road. And Modern Man's got you covered. I mean, haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com. And follow them on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershop. Some, well, it was hot and steamy. If you weren't the game, you probably were going to try and find a pool somewhere. Still time to make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech. And visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of renos as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Um, I, I've mentioned Manitoba Battery for a long time. The incredible service they've got there. The best prices in town. I mean, listen, summer's here, and whether you're needing a battery for a boat, a golf cart, uh, a, a Sea-Doo, ATV, a camper, Manitoba Batteries got you covered. A great local company with the best prices in town um, and the most convenient as well because they'll deliver it for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. But I did get a nice uh, uh, tweet today or X from Barry Wasilik who uh, just said, Hus, I picked up a battery at Manitoba Battery this morning. Told them Hustler sent me said to say hello from the crew at Manitoba Battery. They know you well. Uh, so, again, great to see 
Manitoba Battery hooking up one of our listeners. And shout out to you, Barry, for supporting that. ManitobaBattery.com to make your order. Give them a call or pop by and see them like Barry did at 1026 Logan Avenue. And a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, and also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and WST. Uh, of course, you've had the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, and more and more people are getting into the CC and Ginger pre-mix cocktail, which is available now in 473 milliliter cans. You'll find it at the next Bomber game a week today against the BC Lions. And, of course, you can pick it up at Manitoba Liquor Marts and beer vendors throughout the city. And the full family of Canadian club products available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, so we're going to talk with Ken Weeb about what's happening on the ice coming up in a few minutes. Um, but right now, coming off the uh, report from the first year of the Winnipeg Jets season ticket holder advisory committee, thought it would be a great time to welcome in a few season ticket holders and Winnipeggers that have devoted time to be a part of this this year, find out a little bit more about the experience, um, what they've learned about it, and moving forward as to, uh, you know, continuing to try to fill the building. Um, so let's welcome in two members of the committee, Brian Alexiak, who's the President and Chief Strategy Officer over at Oxygen Technologies, and Rena Prefontaine, a realtor, and uh, running a big shop over at EXP Realty. All right, let's welcome a couple of very special guests in from the Winnipeg Jets Season Ticket Member Advisory Council. It is a pleasure to welcome in Rena Prefontaine and Brian Alexiak to the show. Uh, what's up, gang? Thanks for doing this. Hey, Our thanks, pleasure. us. Um, Rena, let me talk with you. Uh, this is something I think we all know that um, you know this is a, a business and there's a lot of challenges right now, and we've heard a lot about the ticket campaign, but... We haven't heard a lot about the season ticket members that signed on last year to help move this forward. Uh, tell us a little bit about getting involved with the season ticket advisory council uh, last year. Yeah, so um, the Jets, as you may know, uh, put out a call to the season ticket members and asking for people to become um, advisory council members. And so I thought, what an amazing opportunity for me. Um, I'm super passionate about the Jets. And, you know, whenever they send out the feedback forms and that kind of stuff, I'm always kind of really quick to reply. So, I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the best way to help an organization is to, is to provide them honest feedback. And so this opportunity just seemed to be uh, a really great fit for me. And so I was uh, super excited to be chosen out of, I think, Brian, what was there, like 6,000, 7,000 people? There, there was a lot of people. Or, no, I a shouldn't lot. say that. I think it was about 700 people that applied. So and they and they whittled it down to 13. So it was quite an honor to be chosen. Well, uh, and you know what? It's important work in the community. And this dates back to, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, kind of the, what I remember in the blueprint of building up the moose in a really tough time after the Jets left. Brian, um, I'll hit you with sort of the same question. Tell us about getting involved and, and what you hope to um, bring to the council to uh, help move uh, our team forward. Yeah, thanks for that, uh, uh, Hus. When I, uh, when, I saw the, um, when I saw the, I guess, the call to action from, from True North uh, asking for people to sign up for this, uh, effectively for this campaign, uh, I looked at this from two different uh, perspectives, two different lenses. Uh, the first lens being the emotional lens, where as a as a Winnipeg Jet fan, as being a native Winnipegger as well, um, 
I have got to see through travels, through communication with friends across, whether it's Canada, across North America, um, the impact and the emotion that, that the, the Winnipeg Jets can elicit both locally as well as as beyond our, the borders of Manitoba. And it was, yeah, it was, it was exciting. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, back in 2018, when you're at a, uh, a playoff game, whether it was the series versus, uh, versus Minnesota, Nashville, or, or, or Las Vegas, uh, people were texting me saying, you got the game, you got the game. The impact that the Jets had beyond just us as a fan base was, was, was exciting. Uh, so that was the emotional side of it. And I'm like, man, I could be part of this. I, I, I've watched this team. I've been a season ticket member uh, since the team came back. Uh, this is really exciting. Uh, but then there's the business perspective that, that I also had from, uh, from the invitation and understanding that, that this is a business that True North is operating and understanding that there were challenges from, uh, from I would say, from a, a corporate standpoint in getting season ticket membership and having um, the experience of working on other advisory councils uh, throughout North America, I knew from a business perspective that there might be some different ideas that I could bring to help not just focus in on the current challenges, but also some challenges that maybe they're going to be facing in the future as an organization. So I took it two different lenses, the emotional and the business lens, and I tried to bring that perspective uh, uh, to my application and, and through the first 10 months of uh, being on the advisory council. Now, uh, Reno, obviously heading into next season, there's a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes by the uh, the staff as well, I'm sure, as the advisory council. But um, take us back to when this started. Um, we know you were selected, you wanted to get in. Um, what was it like? What did you learn early on? And uh, what were you and the rest of the team on the committee able to uh, contribute as this got going over the course of this season heading into uh, this very important offseason? Yeah, great question. I think that the thing that struck me first was that our very first welcome meeting is there was a member from every single department within True North Sports and Entertainment that was present in the room. They all introduced themselves. Um, they talked about how important our roles were going to be. Uh, and I think as our meetings progressed, we really did feel that. I know myself personally, it was great a, to see the diversity around the room. You know, we had whether it was diversity in the different types of season ticket members. So, you know, were you a premium season ticket member? Maybe you were in the 300 level, maybe 200 level, maybe you were a quarter season or whatever the case is. They, um, they had a really diverse fan base there, but they also had diverse uh, minds. And so it was, you know, some were volunteers within their community, some were business people, some were you know entrepreneurs whatever the case was it was uh it was awesome to see that i think as we worked through um it was really nice because we truly did have our voices heard by the organization um yeah i mean for me that was that was probably the most powerful and the most impactful to begin with was just the hey they actually care um we have opinions and they may be different than what true north has um, but they were open to hearing what they were. And, yeah, we, we truly felt valued, I think, right from the get-go. Um, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because that sort of feedback, I mean, we knew that they were pulling, I mean, all of their season ticket holders at a time where, you know, they were losing some seats, trying to find out why that was the case, what people wanted to change. Um, and none of this, Brian, happens or succeeds if, uh, the organization doesn't listen to the people that are there. Um, 
certainly it seems that has taken place. And, you know, it's interesting reading the report at the end of the season, the impact that the council was able to have on some of the, the, the things that happened even just last season over the course of the schedule. Um, when you look back at last year, uh, what would people find interesting maybe about some of the things that, you know, in a lot of ways came from the council um, that ended up coming to fruition last season? Yeah, it's so brand new council. So we all know that everything, you know, us, we're talking about this before we start up, the intentionality that True North operates on with, with every facet of, the, of its business, whether it's hockey operations, financial, it's real estate, everything that it does is with intentionality. And the first thing that, that just to echo Rena's comments about that first meeting, the first person there to greet us as we walked into the boardroom was Mark Chipman. And he gave the opening statement about what his expectations as uh, from True North with, for the council really set the tone that this was not about creating some type of, um, you know, a feel-good type of uh, board that, uh, that checks a box. Uh, they expected the same type of commitment from, from its advisory council to provide honest, clear feedback, as, as Rena said, that may contravene what they were expecting or what they wanted to do from a business side. They wanted that feedback to move this, this, you know, this organization forward in a way that maybe they haven't thought about. And that's really the role of an advisory council, to provide that, that fan perspective. Now, when you look at a brand new council like this, you hope that within the, its first iteration, you can just sort of get along, have people show up and, and get some good content. But the ability to actually have outcomes the way that we were able to drive with True North was, I would say, um, unexpected and exciting for myself personally, because I don't think, you know, Rena, I don't want to speak for yourself or any other member of the council, but we're able to accomplish a lot. And when we look back at it back in June, it was quite surprising. And, you know, as we're talking about this, uh, you know, some of the different things we're able to do in terms of ticket share processes for existing season ticket members. One of the problems that we have as season ticket holders is that, you know, going back uh, when the Jets first came back, we had these groups of people that were sharing the cost, and whether it's through financial, uh, economic, whatever it may be, issues or challenges, people have dropped out of, or maybe just mad at the Jets because they're not winning enough for them. People have dropped out of their, out of their, their groups of season ticket holders. So now one of the things that we came up with right off the bat was, you know, it was, uh, uh, I think the term was uh, Tinder for season ticket members. Uh, the, ability to actually, the ability to actually go online and find somebody who would be willing to share in your season ticket allotment who maybe feel like they're an island. They can't afford to buy 41 tickets for not including the exhibition of playoff games, but they could get to be part of your group. These types of things may be thinking outside of the box that can bring people together. And effectively, that's what you want the Winnipeg Jets to do is to bring this community together. Um, for myself personally, I was excited about some of the different business perspectives or the way that uh, True North wanted to engage the business community to get a higher level of season, season ticket membership uh, subscriptions through the corporate side. Um, Winnipeg the Jets have the least or the lowest percentage of corporate ticket membership in the entire NHL by far. So how do we better engage with the corporate community? And that's some of the things that I got excited about as well. Well, and you know, it's a great point. I mean, I heard Mark speak about that, you know, when uh, the entire campaign was, was launched. And I mean, it came back to basically a fair distribution of the 
drive to 13,000. Um, you know, when you sell the entire building out in eight minutes and it's just people going online, um, you know, obviously a lot of businesses weren't able to get seats. And I guess in some ways the, uh, the benefit of some of these changes is that, you know, there is more opportunity. And, and I guess speaking just from a corporate side of things, I mean, I, I'm sure the people at True North and obviously the folks that are doing this full time would maybe have a better rollout, at, you know, at least for the purposes of, uh, of us. But Rena, there are some exciting things happening at the arena. I mean, I was at the Sea Bears game, I don't know, a week and a half ago, and you're seeing the work that's being done on that one end of the arena. And uh, I, I'm not sure how much information that even you guys have right now, but um, certainly from sort of a, a premium level of seating, if people have been looking for, um, you know, some improvements to the club lounge and everything that came with club seats in the past, uh, that work seems to be very much underway right now. Yeah. Yeah. They've told us, um, definitely it is very much underway and we'll be ready for obviously for the new season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. They are making changes to where, you know, the old moxies was, it is going to be all premium, um, different restaurants and bars and that kind of stuff. They, you know, it goes back to the, when you were talking about the, the corporate membership, um, one of the things that I know that true North has done is just, reached out to small businesses as well, right? You don't have to be a big corporate that has, you know, 20 or 30 or $40,000 to drop on season tickets. Maybe you're just a small independent business owner and you're, you're willing to put down maybe, you know, for 11 games, they're really doing a really good job of reaching out to, to various business people in the community and it's okay maybe you can't afford this as an individual but what about for your business and maybe you can't commit to 44 games but can you commit to 11 would you see a value in that and and really bringing to the business community the different options that are available i think was was a huge win i think it's it's super fantastic it's something it was kind of one of my things when I first started on on the advisory council is because I am a small business owner, right? And so I don't, I have personal season tickets. I don't use them for business purposes because I frankly, I'm just too, don't want to give up a game. Um, but I, I mean, I'm too much of a fan to want to give up a game, but, but to have that opportunity that, you know what? Yeah, maybe I can p purchase an additional 11 tickets or maybe it's 22 tickets to be able to gift them to my clients is a huge opportunity that that we didn't have before. And part of that came, I believe, out of our advisory council. Well, uh, you know, it is uh, like it, it's important. I know there's a lot of time that goes into this and, you know, having some experience with uh, the team builder program back in the Moose days. We know how important, um, you know, people giving up their time and that is. And, and, and Brian, I guess. You know, before we go, and obviously people can go to the Jets website and there'll be all the information on the, the programs and packages. And there has been some really neat changes. There's a ticket swap this year, um, which I know was always, I mean, important if you had that option to do it. Um, you know, for people that will miss a game or two, there's options there. Um, we know about changing to the building. I mean, new season ticket gifting packs. But, I mean, at, at the end of, of it all, there is an element of bringing people together and trying to get people on board that, I mean, you guys are not, you're not working for the team. You're doing this because you have a passion for it. And like everyone wants this to work and wants, you know, our team to be in the best position possible. Uh, just before we go, give a quick message to, you know, other fans that might've been thinking, might've been on the fence, 
might have for whatever reason not have that other person to share um, about maybe what's come out of this committee and what's happening right now if people do want to consider um, maybe either coming on board for the first time or getting back if they'd lapsed in the last few years? I, I think the, the one of the key things that I really want to uh, communicate to either the current season ticket fan base as well as prospective season ticket holders is that we have an opportunity, you know, once again, 41 times plus exhibition plus playoffs to take part in watching uh, the best hockey players in the world play. And one of the challenges we have as Winnipeggers that I would say that makes us a bit unique is that we are a small market team. But as much as we're a small market team, we are so bloody passionate about this team as well that creates some some different perspectives and at the you know when you look at at what true north is trying to do in terms of fan engagement in in terms of having different um uh, different programs for university students uh for expanding its season ticket uh, capabilities with quarter packs with half season packs these types of things they're trying to increase accessibility uh to all levels of of i, I would say uh, fan, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, opportunities. And my, my, I think what we want as a season ticket advisory council is to let those fans and those prospective fans and those prospective season ticket holders know that there's something there for everybody. And the opportunity at the end of the day to be able to watch these players, uh, to be engaged uh, uh, within uh, this, this, I would say, foundational organization within this community, um, I just think it's such a fantastic opportunity and, and you know, don't let it slide by. Enjoy it. It's here. It's fabulous. And, uh, and I'm just thankful that I get to take part in it. Well, listen, I'm thankful that you guys are doing what you're doing and everyone else that's volunteering their time for this. I mean, I think everyone knows that, um, you know, when that rink is, is full, um, it's certainly better for the operation, but as fans, I mean, everybody knows that it's a hell of a lot better when, um, you know, we've got the place full just for the energy and the enjoyment of, you know, using those tickets. But I, I really do commend you guys for, um, you know, the commitment you guys have made. And, uh, and, you know, to the entire group, I think there's been some important things that have come out of this, frankly, that were probably maybe a little bit overdue. But um, it's an important time for the team going forward, and I know there's a lot working on. Um, you know, the upcoming season. Again, folks, you can get to the Jets website. There's plenty of information there. Get in touch with us, and we'll put you in uh, in, in uh, touch with the right people. Um, but Rena and Brian, thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, we will look forward to seeing you at the rink coming up in uh, September and October to get back at it for another season of Jets hockey. Thanks, thanks for having us. All right, really appreciate Rena and Brian jumping on today. It was, uh, yeah, listen, I think this is an important thing. There's a lot of work to be done in a lot of areas to, um, you know, keep this thing going forward and obviously to maybe tackle some of the erosion. Um, and I think the best people to do that are the people that are the customers. So uh, very cool for them and everyone else that's uh, committed with probably a significant amount of time to this. Um, and again, it's all... At the end of the day, everybody wants the team to do well on the ice and, uh, of course, in the stands. And uh, uh, certainly makes it better when the building's full. So uh, I'm sure the Jets, uh, you know, that full report is there on their website. Um, and um, obviously, uh, you know, uh, get on over to the, uh, the, the Jets website if you want more information on uh, 
some of the things that they talked about uh, and maybe to count yourself in for the upcoming season. Speaking of that upcoming season, Kenny Weeb is on deck and is going to join us in just a minute. Uh, before we do that, I have to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, you got to get on down to one of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores, not to mention Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. Barbecue season's in full swing right now. Vita Health, grass-fed bison and beef steaks uh, are unbeatable on the grill. And hey, while you're at it, you can wash those down with some sober carpenter beer, Zevia sodas. And uh, they got grab-and-go lunches delivered twice a week, a perfect option if you're doing a day trip or maybe camping, hitting the beach. And this month, you get a free sapsucker drink with any Vita Market salad or wrap. Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives, six Winnipeg locations, and online at myvita.ca. Our friends at Wallace and Wallace are busy as heck right now. You know they're the Winnipeg, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, they pretty much got any kind you could possibly need, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace and Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Um, guys at F Apparel are uh, ready for fall. Are you? How's the closet looking, guys? If you need to up your menswear game heading into the new season, get on down to F. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties. If you and the guys need to look great for the big day but want to use that suit afterwards, no, no better option than F Apparel with that discount. Find out more at 190 Smith Street or online. And you can also make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And just before we bring in Weber, yesterday was a perfect day to hit a Nick and Nicky DQ. Oh, was it hot? Um, but throughout the summer, it's the best kind of blizzard season around. Of course, you got the dilly bars, buster bars, and grab a couple racks of those for the freezer at home. But while you're at it, try all the great new summer blizzard flavors at your local Nick and Nicky DQ, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. All right. On the road, a special visit from Ken Weeb and Weeb's World comes to us from Nashville, Tennessee right now. Ken. What is going on? How are how are your travels, Andrew? Uh, great to be with you. Uh, always nice to get back to Nashville. First time back here since uh, pre-pandemic. Actually, uh, both the games last year were on a back-to-back, so was not uh, able to make the road trip for those Jets games. So, uh, as you know, the city is booming. It is under deep construction and heavy heat, but uh, lots of enthusiasm. They still have the signs up from the awards night and the draft and uh, had a chance to walk over down Broadway uh, in front of Bridgestone to see the uh, Pecorine statue, a nice new addition from the last time I was in town. Uh, overall, the uh, the hockey chatter has been a little bit quiet, but uh, certainly uh, that, that could be picking up here with, uh, with news of Patrice Bergeron officially retiring. But 
uh, overall, it's been nice to get away. And yeah, I acted like a full tourist yesterday. Huss did the uh, hop on, hop off bus tour, uh, toured around uh, the entire city. Music Row had a, a nice tour down there. Uh, Printer's Alley, you know, uh, you know, checked out. Uh, just, just wanted to ensure uh, to see if uh, if Bill Guerin's tab was still open at Tootsie's. Uh, had one quick one on the roof yesterday, but uh, apparently the tab was closed. So uh, I can report uh, with authority that the uh, general managers uh, from the NHL teams did close up their tabs after, uh, as you know from being here at that time. Huss was uh, was a pretty enjoyable week for uh, for many here. Yeah, there were a lot of bills going back to the accounting <laughs> departments of the 32 NHL clubs from Tootsie's, I can tell you that. Met from, and, met with skepticism. <laughs> and to be honest, just thinking about being on the roof of that establishment during the day in late July in Nashville um, is enough to, to melt one. Um, imagine probably taking the shade inside. Are you there for anything in particular? Are you there for like a... A TV taping of Smoky Mountain Wrestling, or uh, <laughs> a big concert, or uh, no, just no, uh, hey, just getting out of touring town here. Yeah, it uh, as you know, my uh, my draft trip was canceled, so I was able to put the uh, the Allegiant ticket to uh, to good use here. So yeah, it was uh, it take the it took the same road as you, Huss. Uh, uh, it was about three hours and twenty minutes, Winnipeg to Fargo Airport and uh, Allegiant. I'd also say too, Huss, uh, you know, the city here, we always have loved uh, Nashville, you and I, but uh, the city is booming. And I have to say, uh, my Allegiant uh, travel experience was uh, was improved from the last time uh, I was, it seemed like they've got a few uh, few new birds and uh, the, the planes were uh, a lot, you know, a lot more spacious, maybe I would say, than the last time uh, I flew with Allegiant. So uh, some, I know folks are fired up about the NFL seasons, Huss. I know that uh, there were a lot of single game uh, tickets going on sale today that moved pretty quickly. Uh, I know that uh, one thing I learned yesterday that I had no idea about, the the Titans will be uh, moving out of Nissan Stadium in 2027. Uh, the ground will soon be broken on a new uh, new NFL facility here. And the folks uh, in Nashville are pretty fired up. And the other thing they're fired up for, Huss, the Baby Blues, uh, the Houston Oilers retros will be yeah. rocked uh, several times by the Titans this year. Uh, I know the folks around this uh, this community are pretty excited about that as well, Huss. So, um, yeah, before we get into and the hockey. DeAndre uh, Hopkins. Yes, and Hopkins, <laughs> uh, folks, they're fired up. Uh, I know I should be wearing a Vanderbilt, uh, you know, shirt today but i have not purchased one yet so i i figured in a college town i would go with the college spirit here but uh before we dig in uh, how did the uh, gold eyes event go before we uh shift gears oh man it was awesome i'm still looking at the chat everyone kind of getting together having their thoughts and everyone from meeting last night it was so much fun i mean you know much like uh you know the end of the year party that you guys have done or our other sports trivia nights i mean Having those opportunities for people to get together and hang out is just so fun. And I don't know if there's a better place you could do it than a Gold Eyes game. I mean, we were out there. It was somewhat ominous, Ken. I mean, we were pulling into the stadium as everybody's phones blew up with a tornado warning. Oh, right. Um, which we thought, oh, wouldn't this just be our luck? Uh, but I mean, absolutely massive storm. Luckily, started north of the city, went east, and didn't impact at all. But... Uh, yeah, all the usual suspects, tons of new people as well. Just a really great turnout. Fish one as well. Everyone had a few LBJs. Everyone had something good to eat. So uh, a uh, a smashing success, I would say, for our first uh, our first foray into uh, a group night at one of the sporting events, and certainly won't be the last. 
Yeah, certainly going to try. I uh, would have been there if had I been in town and I appreciate you sending out the invite and I'm glad, uh, you know, we talk about community building all the time, uh, both on on this uh, medium and uh, when we're having personal chats and uh, it's just awesome to see the community uh, come together for events like that. I think it's uh, fantastic. And speaking of community too, Huss, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm, I'm usually not the one asking the questions, but uh, I couldn't help but notice uh, uh, you having a little bit of time with Mark Stone uh, during the cup parade through Manitoba that also included, uh, you know, visits with Kelly McCrimmon and uh, Ryan Craig and I know Brett Howden had a really fun day. It looked like uh, the Pine Ridge folks uh, saw some, some views of Stanley on several holes uh, during the week as well. But um, you know, how was, how was everything with Mark and uh, how was his day with the Stanley cup? It was, I mean, it really seemed like it was awesome. I mean, I think he started off kind of in his old hood. He went to Keith Bodley Arena. He went to his old school. He went by his childhood house and surprised the people with the cup there. And Tremendous. Um, and listen, it was a real privilege. And it was an honor, basically, to have uh, Corey and the gang at Breezy ask me to kind of do a, an interview for everyone that come out for the event. Um, and, you know, shout out to the CTO who... Uh, you know, mic this up, brought the camera, and we ended up being able to play it on the on the show as well. So it was really fun. And that cup, I mean, it's leaving, or I guess it left yesterday. Mark took it to the children's hospital yesterday morning, and then the cup was on its way. Um, but it will be back because mm-hmm. Keegan Colasar has yes. got a day with the cup. Zach Whitecloud has got a day at the cup. And I think the Whitecloud celebration is going to be really, really cool because I do believe there's plans to do something in Brandon in Verdon where he played for the oil caps as well as his first nation. So um, the cup will be back in Manitoba and I'm, Sure, Gary's got a three or four day stint with it as well at some point <laughs> along there, as you should. Uh, yeah, and excited uh, for Gary with the book uh, coming out later in the year as well. I know he shared a couple of nuggets on uh, on the old Twitter machine this week, but uh, that would be a fun project to uh, to be part of as well. And yeah, I know just from being around uh, in that first round matchup, uh, Nate Ewell, uh, one of the uh, great uh, media relations uh, folks from the Golden Knights, was talking about uh, I think coming out for part of the Tamarack to shoot some stuff on white cloud playing in the event uh, next month as well i'm not sure if that uh, maybe that project could be on hold because of the stanley cup celebrations but i know that was something that they were talking about as well so uh, great to see the cup getting its way around making its way around the province and Huss, i know you saw it personally but i mean just to see the impact it has on people who are at those events and functions whether it's you know you know future nhlers or people who are just childhood buddies or you know I just love the, you love to see the pictures and, and the enthusiasm and joy that it brings people when, when they're in the vicinity of that Stanley cup. And also to the people that helped along the way for those folks, whether it's Mark or, or, or Brett or anybody else and Zach and, and Keegan, and I know how much those guys appreciate the journey and the people that impacted the journey. And I love that those people are able to share uh, same with Kelly uh, McCrimmon, bringing the cup to Brandon. I thought I, that's just absolutely awesome. I mean, you know, this is a guy who is from Saskatchewan, but a big chunk of his life has been spent in Manitoba. And I love the fact that he wanted to share that experience with so many people here and, you know, good on Kelly uh, for doing that. And, you know, same with Ryan, Ryan Craig, I mean, who is now going to become the head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights uh, after being an assistant with the Vegas Golden Knights for such a long time here. It's just awesome to see 
the joy and the enthusiasm that that Stanley Cup is bringing to people throughout this province. So uh, kudos to everyone who's done it so far and kudos in advance to, you know, Zach and Keegan and all those guys. It's a special, it's going to be a special time for them as well when they get the cup, I think next month here. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, Ken, I mean, obviously there's no big, I mean, massive new jet stories. I mean, God knows we've talked about the futures of Connor Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele enough. And I think we all realize that that's sort of pretty quiet right now. Um, but you did mention the Boston Bruins. And listen, I've yep. been guilty of this as much as anyone <laughs> saying, hey, you know what? Let's see what happens with Boston. And listen, logically, they're going to have a big hole. If they're looking for a guy that can put up some points, certainly not Patrice Bergeron. But I mean, Mark would be uh, you know, an obvious top-level producer that could fit in there. I'll be honest, Ken. I spend a lot of time staring at Cap Friendly and looking <laughs> at the Boston Bruins and looking at their key players that are signed long-term that aren't going anywhere, players like a Brandon Carlo that's got a modified no-trade or no-move where you would think there's a good chance the Jets would be on that list. Like, unless Connor Hellebuck was dealt... And there's a hole for a goaltender, and either Ulmark or Swayman is a key part of that package going forward. I have a really, really hard time wrapping my head around a fit for a potential trade that would make sense for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it's super interesting, Huston. Brandon Carlo is a guy, I mean, we've been talking about the need for the defensive core to have, you know, different pieces coming in. A big-bodied right-hand shot who plays with size and physical nature. I mean, would the Jets benefit from having Brandon Carlo? Yes, but if that was a you know if that was a target for them, they should have got the deal done before July one when the no move modified no move kicked in, right? So that's not to say that you know that that you know just, you know you're right, Carl. That Winnipeg probably is on that list. I mean, we don't know that for sure, but you know chances are are good that that is the case. That's not to say that he wouldn't wave if that was presented in front of him, but. Uh, you know, it, I'm not sure about the timing now, Huss, for sure. Um, Swayman, obviously, and Trent, Trent Frederick, those are two guys who need new deals as RFAs. Those are two big pieces of business for the Boston Bruins. If the Bruins are to make a move for Mark Scheifele, even at the, you know, 6.125 this year, they're going to have to move salary back, you know, and the, whether that's a Matt Grizzlick or somebody else. I mean, this is a team that's already pretty tight to the cap, and people are like, oh, well, they're going to lose their top two centers. Well, they got to replace them. Well, that's true technically, but they don't have twelve million available to re- to replace those two centermen. Both of those guys were on incredibly cheap exactly. deals, and that- had such great seasons that there were bonuses that the Bruins are paying for this year. So, I mean, it is it is a very hard puzzle um, to put together to make sense for both teams. Um, and as I said, maybe this conversation is a little different if Connor Hellebuck has been moved. And the Jets have, you know, a need for another goaltender, an elite, you know, NHL level goaltender along with Loren Brassois. But that really isn't the case. Um, But listen, regardless of the Jets role in all of this, um, how do you see things going forward for Boston? Because you just laid it out. I mean, Swayman needs a deal. Frederick needs a deal. They don't have any money. And they've got two massive holes at the center ice position from two guys that have been incredible contributors for so long in Beantown. Yeah, no doubt, Huss. And I think that's why, you know, we've been talking about it on this program for, for a couple of months now. I think that's why the, you know, the appeal appeal of 
Elias Lindholm is so high for Boston. You're saving $2 million almost, uh, and you're replacing uh, you know Bergeron with, let's just say, Bergeron light, for lack of a better term, in terms of two-way play. So until we get resolution, you know, this was an important uh, domino here, but the domino doesn't necessarily lead to six other things happening here, which is yeah. why, I mean, we're in a bit of a quiet <laughs> zone here, and we talk about it all the time. In July, the NHL is at the situation, and it's almost August. All GMs are sitting back and saying, hey, you know which players are or may be available. Now blow me away with an offer. If not, you know, the gone fishing sign is put up, right? I mean, you, you, obviously these guys are taking calls, but you're only taking serious calls right now. So lots of teams are looking for lots of things. Uh, now there's really no timeline until there's no there's no pressure point here, Huss. Now until you know the season gets you know teams got to be cap compliant, but that's that's basically October 9th right now, right? So uh, you can run it 10% over during the summer, and then you know when it comes down to making the opening day rosters for October 9th, I think now now you're going to see pressure points and. That's not to say things can't happen, and that's not to say things can't happen with the Jets, because as we've talked about for months as well, there's still a logjam on defense. So I do expect there will be moves happening, but there just isn't a whole lot going on in the NHL right now. I think people kind of like pushed back from the table and are sort of reassessing where they're at with salary cap and everything else. And, you know, then you get the occasional curveball, like we see with the Arizona Coyotes, convincing Logan Cooley. And for Jets fans... The, the parallel would be the year that Mason Appleton was expected to be the captain of the Michigan State Spartans going into his junior year, right after his second year at Michigan State. The idea was that Appleton would go back and be the captain. He was already named captain. But after the development camp, both sides got together and, you know, they changed their mind. And then he had the great year with the Moose. Um, and then, you know, his career has gone nicely since. Now, the difference is, you know, Appleton was a late-round draft pick and Cooley's a top-five pick. So, I mean, that's the difference, but the parallels are there. Now, how does that relate to the Jets right now? It doesn't. It's just to say that there isn't a whole lot happening unless there's something happening, you know, with a top prospect, which the Jets kind of got their ducks in the row with that earlier, with Chibrikov already coming over at the end of last year to kind of, you know, skate around, skate with the moose and, and get acclimated a little bit. Now he's at a development camp, but... Now it's just sort of a matter of which way things are going to go. And, you know, Huss, we've been talking too a lot about Nino Niederreiter. I mean, he's he's a guy that, uh, you know, he loves Winnipeg. Mike McIntyre, the Free Press, had a great piece with him recently where he expect, expressed his – and again, I loved everything about this. A, he expressed his desire to stick around. But B, here's a guy, Huss, who's been in the league for a long time, a prolific goal scorer, a, a consistent 20-goal guy. What's he talking about? the need to earn his next contract, right? He's not out here saying I need 6 million or 5 million or no chance of sticking around. He's saying I need to earn my next contract with the Winnipeg Jets. So if you're Kevin Cheveldayoff and Larry Simmons, you love hearing that, but I would suggest us that it's great for the player to say that. If you're the Jets, you want to be locking down Nino Niederreiter to a deal before the season starts, right? You want clarity there. Much like we've talked about wanting clarity on the back end uh, with guys like Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon going into the last year of their deals, I think a Nino Niederreiter extension, Huss, you know, in the in the re reconfigured priority wish list, I would say Nino Niederreiter getting a new deal for him is is probably somewhere, let's say, around third, maybe second or third on that list right now. 
it's funny. I mean, we kind of kicked this around a little while ago, and we kind of said of all the guys with expiring deals, Helly, Scheif, Dylan, DeMello, Nito Niederreiter, he's been here the shortest time. Yeah. But part of me thinks that he's the most likely guy that will be extended. And I think it's because of how impressive he's been as a guy off the ice. I think he, you know, is really warm to the city and the organization. And, you know, for all those reasons, I think there, there's definitely value in keeping him around, especially when some younger guys, the McGroarties and Barlows, start coming into the lineup in the next couple seasons beyond here. And this is no shot at, at, at DeMello or Dylan. But those guys' situations are really interesting. Of course, you know, they're both, I believe, going to be on the other end of 30. And we've talked so much about, you know, how are they going to work this with, you know, having spots for younger players that, you know, are ready to play with the guys that they have right now. And both of those players, I think, would have significant value at the trade deadline. But it is wild how we're talking a lot about the deadline. And I don't know if you caught this, Ken. We were kind of talking about Otani and what the Angels did last <laughs> night, getting Lopez and Giolito from the Sox being like out of the playoffs right now and literally saying we are going for it right now with these guys. Um, maybe a little easier when you got already Moreno money and you're in a Major League Baseball to take those sort of risks and rebuild through free agency. But, you know, if we are somewhat status quo, and I guess you can mention if you do think that there'll be a change before training camp on the blue line, but if we are status quo, not only is it going to be fascinating to just say how they handle the eight defensemen that will likely be on the team at the beginning of the at this season, but just how difficult it's going to be to move on players that will have significant value at the deadline if this team is in a good position for the playoffs. Yeah, super interesting, Huss. And, you know, uh, as a baseball fan, I think it was smart for the Angels to extend or, or you know, to try to get into the wild card situation. If you're trying to convince Otani to stick around, you can't sell. I mean, I know some people are saying, oh, trade Otani and then bring him back. Uh, that I don't. Sorry. If you give Otani a taste with a contender, you your chances of bringing him back, I would say, Bye-bye. are very low. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there was about a 14-minute window there where people were wondering if the Toronto Blue Jays might make a pitch for Otani, which, which certainly piqued my interest oh, as a baseball fan, Huss, as you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of how it relates, uh, you know, again, and I had Giolito in one of my NL fantasy leagues for a long time. I mean, there were some injuries there before he went to Chicago, but this is a prime time pitcher. So if you've got guys like Trout and Otani that have barely played in the playoffs, you need to do everything you can to try to make it. So when it comes to the Jets, yeah, I mean, Huss, this is, this is what we've talked about a lot. I mean, <laughs> you need some clarity. Otherwise, you're running yourself into, you know, talking yourself into self-rentals. And, and there's value on that in the right situation and circumstance. But I, I still do think that, you know, again, this stopped me. If we, if we rewind the tape to last year around August, we thought there would be more action on the back end going into the season as well. But I genuinely believe that there has to be at least one move. And I still think the Jets are probably in a situation that's better for them. If they make two moves on the blue line, you're probably moving an experienced player out and you're moving probably either a prospect or someone who has previously been a prospect out in order to get some clarity. Now, sure, Leon Gavanka, moving him to San Jose, bringing back uh, a prospect, a lottery ticket, that's a smart move. That That's a benefit to them. They have another left-shot defenseman who's mobile and, and can push for NHL work. But 
you still have too many uh, you still have too many demon for the spots that are available and we know they can do it but I don't see a scenario where having Vili Hainala with the Manitoba Moose is, is is a good idea under any circumstance now unless it's a very brief time at the start of the year where you're thinking about a trade and you're worried about you know maybe a waiver claim or something else maybe you can move a guy if somebody gets hurt in another organization early on but uh, i know you talked about it with a marat as well Huss. i mean the longer vili hanela is in the american hockey league the more likely it is for him to have bad habits that that don't translate well to the national hockey league so uh, this is a guy that needs needs to get some runway in the NHL, whether it's with the Jets or someone else. Um, yeah, of course, there are you know there are risks involved with that as well. Yes, we understand that. But if he's not going to be with the Jets, I, I think they would have moved him by now, Huss. That would be my other counter, right? But uh, the fact that Hanla wasn't moved around draft time when people were trying to get more picks in that draft suggests to me that he's going to be involved, at least involved in the mix to compete for one of those spots. And I mean, Declan Chisholm, I think, is in that mix as well. And, you know, who's going to be playing on that third pairing? And, you know, what does it look like? And, man, it, it just, to me, the law, and I totally understand. And Kevin Chevalier, I've said this last year, Huss, you don't want to go into a situation, you'd much rather have too many than not enough. And, hey, you don't have to look that far in the old rearview mirror to remember a time uh, when the Jets turned over their entire right side plus Ben Sherratt, and they were, you know, let's not say having trouble to fill those spots, but they were playing guys that were below replacement level at the national hockey league level. And they don't want to do that again. And I understand that completely, but in terms of clarity, I still see the jets making a move prior to training camp or prior to at least, at least one and probably two prior to their season opener. But you know, the offer's got to be right. And the deal has got to be there. Otherwise, like you said, then you roll the dice throughout the course of the year and maybe their value rises. But as you mentioned, that also brings into the equation potential for injury. And if the team is doing well and in a playoff spot, now you're either convincing yourself that a self-rental is a good idea or you are moving out a player and there will come a risk with that as well, right? If you're trading for for futures, then you either are hoping that Declan Chisholm or Vili Hainala can come up and fill that spot. But the Jets don't have a lot of Guys who play like those two players in terms of Dylan with the way he uh, is a physical force, uh, you know, pretty mobile guy. defense is getting bigger. I mean, you know, it's such a copycat league. Look at what the blue line for the Stanley Cup champs are right now. Not a lot of little dudes out there. And that's a big part of like what they put together. And I mean, I'll tell you what, if Brendan Dylan's still on the club at the trade deadline, there will be teams that will probably be able to give you at least what you gave up to get him originally, sure, if not the two more. Seconds, yeah. I, I I would agree. Um, but again, it does make it make it very hard to me. I mean, if the team plays well, Ken, the other thing, and especially for guys like Connor and guys like Ehlers that are still gonna be around beyond, and I mean guys Ehlers would only have one more year, but I think they'd certainly most people would say we'd Love to keep Nikolai Ehlers as part of this group long-term into this next sort of phase of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, like You could certainly make the argument that, guys, in a year or two, this is going to make a lot of sense for us. But, man, it's hard. To, and I'm just talking about trading Brandon Dillon at that point in time. Right. Never mind a Mark Shifley or Connor Hellebuck if they're still with the club. I mean, it's a real catch-22. 
Yeah, and with Dylan DeMello, Huss, he's just coming off one of the best offensive. We always talk about Dylan DeMello, DeMello as a defense first player. He added that offensive layer to his game and became even more valuable in a season where Josh Morrissey got <laughs> Norris Trophy votes. So, uh, you know, and, and there's no natural candidate on the right side to just slide in and play alongside Morrissey if you think about moving DeMello. DeMello's a guy who enjoys the community. Uh, you know, he's played in Ottawa and enjoyed it, did a great job with Thomas Shabbat as a partner for a lot of the time. Uh, he's been a, you know, real stabilizer with Josh Morrissey. We know how much they enjoy playing on a pairing together. Uh, this is a guy who enjoys the community. He has a, you know, they have a young family. Um, yeah, North 30, yes, but I don't see a whole lot of, you know, until Elias Solomons or Solomonson is ready to be an NHLer. And again, he's not going to jump into the NHL as a top pairing person. So having him on another, you know, extending him makes a whole lot of sense when you look at the right-handed depth chart. So, yeah, and then when you talk about Shifley and and Hellebuck, yeah, those are going to be um, real, real major choices and commitments uh, that are going to be made. And it's super interesting and you're bringing in all kinds of outside forces and, and everything else, but ultimately we'll just see where the players are, are at in, in, in this thing, Huss, and we'll see where the team is at. I mean, do the Jets, would they like to extend Connor Hellbuck? Yes. Do they want to extend him into his late thirties? That That's something we don't know uh, for sure. And we don't know what the number would be. And, you know, what about all you know, the one thing I've been wondering about Huss in the last, few weeks and no it doesn't make you know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense on some levels but what about a higher AAV for a shorter amount of time I know we've talked about that briefly but you know what if it's 11 million for two or three years now you know for a guy who just finished a 37 million dollar a year deal you go three at 11 or let's just say in that neighborhood you've added 33 million to the pool I mean is that better than going eight times five or eight times six I'm not sure how the player would view that, but um, you know that that must be something that's been you know potentially at least discussed internally by the Jets. Um, I'm not sure that the agent uh, would be looking at things that way, but I mean that it's something that at some point I wonder if there is a shorter term deal at a higher AAV. Uh, it is risky for the player, of course, but. Uh, it also provides, you know, guaranteed money in the bank and then allows you to probably cash in in a couple of years where the salary cap is going, you know, yeah, a, a lot and, higher. And Hellebuck is a guy that I think would be more than happy to somewhat bet on himself. I mean, if you talked right. about if he's if he's getting the money that he has legitimately earned as one of the top goaltenders and he feels like he's being paid market value, even if the term is not there, knowing that it's not really there anywhere as from what we've seen. Right. You know, make that happen and give someone a tough decision in three years um, to continue paying that because you're still one of the best in the league. Um, but listen, I mean, God knows we've spent a lot of time on these uh, situations and that hasn't changed. But specifically to the blue line, you mentioned that you expect one, potentially two moves. What sort of a move? I mean, is there a player you think is more likely to go than others? And and what are the Winnipeg Jets looking to get back in return? Because... I mean, more often than not, if you're trading one of these players, there's not a lot of teams with a lot of cap space that can just take a player, stick him on their roster without giving anything back. Like, would the Jets like some futures, would like some picks? I'm sure that would be part of it. But I, I think we can assume that there'll be NHL talent coming back. Um, if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff and you're thinking about moving one of these players, 
what makes the most sense to come back in return, knowing that you're trying to open up a spot or two for young guys to come in that are already within your organization? Yeah, for sure, Hudson. I would think that there would be uh, some replenishing of the picks as well there. We know that the Jets are you know, pretty good shape for next year's draft, but uh, I, I could see some futures element involved there. But, you know, when it comes... You know, eventually, a lot of it is dictated by what happens with Shifley, right? I mean, we've talked about this before also. You know, whether it's Nemesnikov, Velarde, Perfetti, like some combination, you know, one of those guys is going to be playing center and potentially two are, uh, depending on what happens with Shifley. So, you know, when it comes to, a, you know, a Brendan Dillon or, you know, for me, I think Logan Stanley is probably would make the most sense to move Huss because, you know, he has expressed a desire for a fresh start previously to last year's trade deadline uh, the fact that it hasn't happened yet i don't know what we can glean from that if maybe that's you know maybe the price tag is be you know what the jets are asking for in return is too high um i would think there'll be some interest for sure given his pedigree um you know we know as you just mentioned teams value size and you know logan does have a bit of a mean streak there as well so it wouldn't be a surprise to see him moved uh, unless the Jets go back to their original thinking, which you know part of the reason they kept him in the expansion draft as a protected player was that they believed in him long term. So if they think it was just related to injuries last year and that they want to give him another shot, well, then he will be around. But I would say that if we're ranking the players who have either expressed interest to be moved or uh, don't necessarily fit into the top six right now, unless something is changing, I would say Stanley would be in that mix. Um, and then too, I wonder about some of the younger guys. I mean, I think the Jets are banking on Neil Pionk having a having a big year. We we both have talked about this as well, Huss, where Pionk's injuries have had they've been a big factor the last two years. I mean, but there have been times where he's shown signs of the player that came over in the Truba deal and made an immediate impact. Uh, you know, the guy that drives Connor McDavid crazy. We have seen that player on occasion. We just need to see it for an extended period of time. And I think health would be a big part of that. So I don't think the Jets would be looking at moving Neil Pionk. I think it's going to be the opposite. I think he's going to take on a, you know, back to being, you know, he was still a minute muncher even when he was not fully healthy. So I'm expecting him to have a big year ahead. Uh, I don't think he would be in danger of being moved. I mean, Nate Schmidt, I thought he had a great playoff for the Jets or solid for sure. Um, you know, is the is the contract, you know, close to six? Is that a little bit too high for a third pairing guy? Yes. But yeah, Nate brings little, a lot of a little too high to, to try I mean tough to listen, absorb for there, another if there, team. If there was a taker for Nate Schmidt, as great of a guy he is and all the things that he brings to the locker room, uh, I think they would have jumped at any opportunity to do that, just what that would mean for the numbers and you know, obviously for their for their cap situation as well. And we had heard that Schmidt was a guy who would have potentially been on the move Sanheim, in a yeah. potential Travis Sanheim deal. But again, all you're doing is getting a younger player but signed for another six years at a pretty big commitment. And it didn't seem like that was something the Winnipeg Jets were willing to do at that time. But, uh, I mean, here's the thing. Um, we know the top six um, the way they are right now. It doesn't include um, Logan Stanley. It does include Dylan Sandberg. Um, I mean, w- is that going to be the top six at the beginning of the year? And then is it a matter of whether it's Capo Bianco and Declan Chisholm, whether it's Vili, um, whether it's Logan Stanley, two guys just waiting for an injury or a chance to get in and spot duty and play a few games until maybe the dust settles or someone 
not that you hope this to happen, but would be unavailable for a longer period of time. Yeah, first of all, I just want to weigh in with Sandberg. I think that he's going to be taking on a, a large, much larger role uh, this year. We know that he's played with Pionk at times in the past and, and looked really good there. Uh, I would expect that his uh, his value is going to only increase. We know his defensive metrics were excellent last year. Uh, we know he had a you know, went through a really tough thing uh, late in the year and in the playoffs, but handled it incredibly well. I think that he is a person who's going to only get better with time, and I think the commitment that the defensive uh, you know coaching staff is going to show on him is only going to help him uh, you know continue on his ascent to being a very impactful player. Uh, what that means for the rest is is still a bit unclear. Um, I, I don't know that it, it's going to be as simple as saying those are the six. I, I still think that one of those guys is going to be moved, though, like I said, I, I can't really... It's very cloudy in the old crystal ball to try to predict who that person will be. Uh, but I do think that the Jets want to inject some new blood on that blue line, uh, whether it's Chisholm, whether it's Hainala, that that will be determined. And, Huss, we know what happened last year. It was an open competition for that sixth spot. And even when Dylan Sandberg was playing well, he was taken out of the lineup at times. I don't see that happening for him this year, uh, unless his play doesn't warrant him being a full-time player. But as mentioned, I think there's a much better chance that he, or that uh, Sandberg works himself into a second-pairing role than being in a rotation for a sixth spot. Um, you know, does that put someone like Nate Schmidt on high alert where he's in the rotation? I'm not certain. I, I expect Nate Schmidt to have a good year as well. And, and us, we know that, you know, Nate's one of those guys who, you know, bought a house here and is invested and, you know, has a young family himself. So uh, I think that his he's really flourished in that sort of mentorship role, uh, you know, him and playing on the pairing with with Samberg previously. I think that he would openly embrace the chance to play, whether, whether it's with Hanalet or Chisholm. Uh, I would think that one of those two guys is going to settle in on the third pairing with him. And and then whether it's DeMello or Dylan, who, you know, is or is not uh, sticking around beyond this year, you know, maybe one of those guys is, is one of the guys that is is moved out because there would be value uh, in teams looking for players like that. But, you know, right now, I, if I had to guess, I would say Dylan DeMello would be, you know, a stronger candidate to extend because I think he's two years younger. I think he's 31 and, and Brendan Dylan is 33. So, um, but I also know that the Jets value what Brendan Dillon brings to the table. So uh, I could also see one of those guys being involved in a deal with Hellebuck or Shifley if it gets to that point where the Jets move one of those guys as well. So a lot of uncertainty, Huss. I mean, we're going to have to get to training camp because until we we get to training camp, we're not going to have a lot of those answers, right? And even when training camp starts, we're going to be, you know, deciphering, you know, we were joking about it during development camp, you know, the first first rollout with the groupings and who's playing with whom and you know for how long and is it in the first game you know how many veterans are going in that first road game you know like this is one of the years where there is a legitimate level of open competition i mean there was some of that last year but kind of had a pretty good idea how it was going to sort itself out and now this year there are still some question marks uh, you know there aren't I'm as many question I marks i mean it, listen if the blue line is the blue line the way it is right now i don't know that there's really a lot of open competition to be perfectly honest i mean like i could see at some point nate schmidt maybe spend some time in the press box and i think he'd be a guy that would be able to handle it he wouldn't be sour he'd still be a great teammate I mean, it's not a great look having a $6 million guy, a healthy scratch, but I mean, that could happen if you're going to get those guys in. I mean, to me, it's far more the forward group that, you know, I think there's some room for some guys to sort of step up and 
you know, there's not a lot of established spots already. And obviously there could be even more opportunity depending if there is a move or two with forwards. And again, but I think if that happens, you're probably getting guys to come in. The one thing that's going to be different from this training camp than any have been before is that so many of the questions aren't necessarily going to be about the home opener. It's right. going to be about the futures of these players, especially Hellebuck and Shifley, considering the summer that we've been through. But Dylan and DeMello and Nito Niederreiter until that happens as well. And that that's a very different scenario than we've seen for this Winnipeg Jets hockey club really for a long time. Yeah, no doubt about that. And yeah, I mean, the competition among the, the forward group is is going to be, you know, far more enticing probably also because there there are jobs available potentially on the third line now, right? And then even higher in the lineup, there's maybe, you know, if you're a guy like Mason Appleton, you see guys coming for your job, but you also... Uh, think back of a time a few years ago when there were injuries and, and maybe he was used into the top six at various points. And, you know, are they going to go try to spread things out a little bit more in that middle six after the, the top line gets established? I mean, we know there's going to be better balance from the Jets, but I think there's also they're in a situation, Huss, where their organizational depth up front, it's not just opening night roster and who's the 13th forward, but who's going to be the first call up? You know, we, we saw what Chance and Harkins did when he went down to the Manitoba Moose last year. There are other guys, young prospects that are going to be pushing for work and that want to be in the mix and that want to, you know, push themselves to, to be in consideration for that. Eventually that second line center job, not necessarily out of this camp, but guys who legitimately feel like they have a chance guys like Lucius and Lambert. I mean, those are guys who, uh, they can change the formula pretty easily if those guys show that they can be centermen at the pro level and, and really have dynamic starts with the moose after a strong NHL training camp. So that to me is where there's real intrigue, but the intrigue really won't stop until we know, as you mentioned, not just what the opening day roster looks like, but how long those guys are sticking around uh, if they are with the jets out of the gate and you know what, what is, what is the value as they move along? I mean, we talked about DeMello earlier. I mean, Dylan DeMello is only raising his value, but it only makes it harder to replace him if there's no commitment beyond this year in place, right? That That's the other thing uh, with where the Jets are at. And, and you could argue to a degree it's similar with Shifley because there is not, you know, we mentioned Lambert and Lucius, but those guys need to show that they can play center at the AHL level for an extended period of time before they're ready to be NHL players. Uh, let alone, you know, jumping into a second line center role, potentially, uh, you know, fairly quickly out of the gate. But, you know, that's part of the fun, Huss. Uh, there's a lot of intrigue and, you know, interest around this team, what direction it's going. And uh, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, they're Right now, I would say they're a bubble team, but they're a bubble team that is going to be hard to play against. And they still have an element of skill that will make them dangerous. And uh, any team that has Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Brassois between the pipes, they're going to be competitive Huss, most nights. And and I think that that's a huge advantage for the Jets compared to, you know, there are a lot of teams that would be in that bubble category. Uh, the Jets are in a great spot because of a lot of those things that we've just been talking about. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Ken Weaver with us. Hey, Weaver, before we go, non-Jets question. Everyone was up in arms yesterday about the news that Matt Murray's all of a sudden injured and is going on LTIR. Can you explain how the Leafs can get away with this and what is involved? He was just pronounced okay to play during the playoffs. How does this happen? And does did it raise your smell test when you saw the news yesterday? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean he's on LTIR for the year. Like, I don't think this is a Robin Leonard situation where 
the Leafs aren't expecting him back at some point. I mean, I don't know the medical records, Huss, but you can't just uh, write up a fake prescription from a doctor and say, Matt Murray, uh, hey, uh, we we don't have room for well, Matt this Murray. This is Robodaw Island, right? This is Robodaw Island. It is this the is equivalent. Lupel. Sure, but I mean, if Matt Murray is not actually injured or is not, technically on board with this there will be a grievance filed like this is simple like this isn't as simple as uh, you know someone in the leaf saying you know you know you know how we can get the eraser out here to erase our cap problem is uh tell matt murray to get on board with this and the other thing that's kind of interesting again I- i'm not ready to call foul play here um you know yes matt murray was cleared in the playoffs but I- I- he-, he didn't play right so it's not like he just because he the- stinks well us, but I'm just saying that people are saying, oh, well, he was clear for this. Well, it's not like he went and played the playoffs, played 15, 16 games in the playoffs, and then now is suddenly ending up with a medical issue. Let's look at the history of Matt Murray. Matt Murray's been hurt a lot in his career, Huss. It's not like they're just pulling this out of left field that this guy suddenly pulled a hamstring. Like, this is a guy who's been hurt for a lot of his career and that sort of derailed him at a lot of time proactively saying he's hurt before he gets hurt. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, it's, an, uh, it's a hard, it, this job is hard on your body, whether, no matter what position you play. I mean, like people would say this too, Huss. I mean, and, and we know this because we watched him. Like if, if you watch Shea Weber during the run that included dismantling the jets and into the Stanley cup final, how many people would have predicted that was the last NHL game he was going to play? healthy enough to play in the Stanley Cup final and then done for for your career. I mean, that adds up because of the physical toll on your body over the course of those years. Now, you know, is Matt Murray going to come back at some point? Like, the Leafs also could have made this go away by buying him out, right? I mean, he's got, I think it's only one year left. Yeah. I could be wrong, right? He's got one year left. And and then that's where the other argument for the, uh, for the conspiracy theorists out there, Huss, Matt Murray on LTI gets his full salary. Matt Murray bought out gets two thirds of his salary. So, I mean, is that some people are speculating? Maybe that's why the player might be okay with it. Uh, again, I'm not ready to to point fingers and, and cry foul yet, but certainly it's going to be something that's looked at. A, you know, again, the league's not going to approve LTIR unless there is you know doctor's notes and uh, exams, um, all of the you know MRIs and all these other things. So. Uh, it's not as easy as people saying, you know, just uh, shaft the system and this is a, this is a big joke. Well, if it is, it's going to be shown to be and there will be consequences. Yeah, it's uh, I got slapped on the wrist because I did make a bit of a, a, a crack on Twitter. I wonder if he's allergic to his hockey equipment. And Ooh, ouch. Ouch, a few Andrew, of the Chicago guys came in like, you got to read Marion Hosa's book. You know, he went through a lot. He was on a bunch of drugs to, to allow him to play, which is fine. However, I still maintain that it is somewhat an interesting coincidence that he played every game in the season, every game in the playoffs, and then when his salary dropped to $1 million, was unable to keep doing it. But, as I said, it was a bit of a cheap shot, just a bit of a joke. I am still, I will always remain somewhat skeptical of the timing, at least, even if he was dealing with that for a long time. But that's part of the... uh, interesting topics that get kicked around at this time when we see guys strangely end up on LTIR for teams that are in cap hell and uh, <laughs> somehow manage to come out of the video. What's, uh, what's Plus, on tap tonight? Do it's you have another, a... it's, it's an, hang on. It's another great example of the, we're, we're like, 
slowly but surely like moving that small J to a large J for you on the journalism <laughs> side, Andrew. Yes. I'm very, I'm very Skepticism. proud of you. Yeah, keep digging, <laughs> keep digging on these things. Uh, uh, what's on tap today? Uh, well, just probably head down to the, the Broadway area, and uh, we have a couple friends coming in from out of town uh, that are also. There's a big George Strait concert that I, I will not be attending. Uh, that's yeah. no, ju- no judgment for me, but. Uh, a two-day show at Nissan Stadium. I have some friends from Calgary coming in for that, so I think they'll be. Uh... What about food? What about food? Have you? Uh, do we you went already... to Martin's yesterday, Andrew. So uh, Martin's it was barbecue uh, yesterday. Yeah, I had the barbecue yesterday. Where you so, and I went uh, there. What did you get there? Uh, brisket, uh, pulled pork, and the uh, the jalapeno sausage. Funny story about that. We went there, and we went there quite late. So yes, they were late. out of. Um, <laughs> They were out of brisket, so whatever. I had the pulled pork and sausage and stuff like that. And then the next day, we went to the peg leg porker. Indeed. And I was going to have, I said, well, I'll get some brisket there. Well, they don't even serve brisket. And the bartender had a shirt, and like I didn't think much of it or whatever, and it turned around and it said, uh, Tennessee barbecue is pork. If you're looking for brisket, go to Texas. <laughs> I, I had a crack on that. I'm like, all right, that's that was a power move by those folks. Anyways, listen, have a great time, Matt. Um, we really appreciate you jumping on uh, for a little bit of a chat in the middle of uh, a vacay. Have a great weekend. Take in all that Nashville has to offer, and um, you know, find your way in between all those bachelorette parties down on uh, Broadway when you get later later on. I'm convinced that at any given time, thirty percent of the population of Nashville, Tennessee are bachelorette parties from somewhere else in North America. It's wild hus and the uh, the cowboy boot sales uh, were pretty high uh, based on the travels down the the uh, streets of Nashville, uh, basically. So I better them, see uh, I better see you with a big ten gallon hat <laughs> on your Instagram at some point later on this, uh, this, this trip. I don't think that will be happening, but uh, you know it's just great to be here. Have a great weekend, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, we'll, we'll the, the golf tour will be resuming uh, next week here at a fun day at uh, Pinawan Monday, but. Uh, on hold until I return. Oh, dude, we'll have to get you back with the breezy. The seventh uh, and fifteenth greens oh, just opened and uh, brand new. It looks, I mean, the work they've done on the course is unbelievable. But uh, anyways, uh, have a great time there, and we'll see you back next week. Thanks, my friend. Uh, Bart Scott voice can't wait. See you soon. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, there's Kenny Weeb. Great stuff from Weaver on the road. Um, and uh, listen, it's a very quiet week for the Bombers as they're on the bye week, but. Be getting back to practice in the weekend because the Lions are here a week today. Huge, huge game. And, of course, the 7.30 kickoff means 5.30 at the Princess Auto tailgate zone outside the stadium. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold and WST, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Speaking of your property, uh, Joe, Spicy, Buck, the gang down at Consolidated Supply have so much going on right now, um, both for the home and outside your home and your property. They are the irrigation experts in town. Of course, have been working with golf courses for years in and around it can use that irrigation technology to make your lawn or property look better than ever before. We've also got great artificial turf options. 
and they are the golf cart leaders in town as the club cart dealer, the exclusive club cart dealer in Manitoba. But they do have other great options for your property, hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens as well. And they are the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at the showroom, open to the public. Consolidated Supply, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. It was great to see Greg uh, and the uh, Royal Boys at the game last night. Of course, Royal Sports is Manitoba's number one sports superstore with the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear featuring all the home teams as well as the biggest and best around the National Football League, NHL, Major League Baseball, World Soccer, and more. Huge selection of Canada gear. Huge win for our ladies yesterday at the World Cup. If you want to grab one of those new jerseys or some Canada soccer gear, massive section right now. And while you're there, check out their baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, bikes, and more to get the most out of summer. 750 Pemina Highway. Give them a follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. And of course, our friends at Boston Pizza are ready for the weekend. The best place to get together with friends to watch the big game, even if the Bombers are on the bye, is your local BP, ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and a great patio somewhere near you. Pop by BP. And if you are staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. Well, Speaking of those gold eyes, what a great night it was last night with our friends from the chat room and Winnipeg Sports Talk podcast and YouTube listeners and viewers getting together down for a big gold eyes win. We didn't get nuked by a tornado. We saw a great game. And uh, the fun's not stopping, though, with that game on Wednesday. We got Oktoberfest in July tomorrow. We, well, we got tons of stuff. In fact, Let's bring in Andrew Collier, GM of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, to uh, talk a little bit about last night, but look ahead to a very fun weekend at Shaw Park. Cash, we had a great time last night. Thanks to you and the staff for uh, accommodating the WST crew. What uh, what a great night we had, and what a nice uh, win it was for the home team as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was that was great to see so many of your viewers and listeners coming out to the ballpark and and you and i were talking off air a lot of them hadn't been to the ballpark in a while so it was a win-win for everyone and uh big kudos to will in the ticket office for arranging all the tickets for everybody he did a great job uh yeah he did and he popped by as well and i know will's a regular listener so we'll give him a shout out and uh again everybody that came out it was uh it, it, it was fun and I mean, that that night, um, you know, just to echo what, you know, we said before, I mean, there were a lot of people that, you know, for whatever reason, have been to a game before, might not have been in the last couple of years. I mean, there were a few people that literally that was the first time back in the ballpark since the pandemic, which, I mean, partly feels like 10 years ago, partly feels like yesterday. Um, but overall, it was, I mean, a heck of a night. And uh, things are sort of turning around for the fish at home as well. Uh, the six runs of insurance, I think, made everyone feel a little bit better going in, but uh, you didn't have to use the closer. I mean, uh, overall, bit a really nice start to this homestand, Andrew. Yeah, really good. Good start from Barasa getting seven innings, and Janrin, who has moved to the bullpen now, and he came in and threw two innings, a great relief, and not just saving our closer, but the rest of the bullpen. And with Fargo coming in, uh, after tonight for four games, I'm sure it's going to be all hands on deck during that series. 
No, no doubt about that. Hey, just listen, before we get to uh, tonight, tomorrow, the rest of the weekend, how was the uh, Ballpark Brewfest on the weekend? It was a lot of fun. It was really good. Yeah, it, uh, it was about the same number of tickets sold, but I think there were more people here. I think, I think there might have been some no-shows last year, but it, from talking to the brewers, they said it felt like there was more people there, and the weather was great again. And yeah, a, a good time had by all the bands that we had playing. Uh, a lot of good com- comments on, on them, and yeah, just good day all around and and we shortened it from five hours to four hours this year and that that's plenty of time to uh to get to all the different brewers and and have your samples well and it is uh, an extra hour from um flatlanders so certainly still a little more bang for your beer for your buck bang for your buck anyways we're looking forward to taking part in that next year as well um so we had our big night last night but as we've talked for the last little while this is a very very busy time in the promo schedule and uh the beer steins coming out tonight to oktoberfest in july uh that's tomorrow night it's tomorrow tonight, night tonight is uh country night uh so that'll be a lot of fun uh brody jackson and and the crew will be here tonight and then tomorrow night is oktoberfest in july where we're handing out the the beer steins there's going to be a, a barbecue on the promenade with with brats, uh, proceeds to the Field of Dreams Foundation from from the sale of those and German bands and dancers should be a lot of fun. Brats, my favorite. Still been would love to have that being a regular. We need to actually just like a good hot dog place in Winnipeg to have brats as well, so we can be doing it thirty three sixty five uh, during the year. Um, and then comes the week. Weekend, and I know there's a giveaway on Sunday. Is it the sleepover night on Saturday? It is. So yes. all the scouts are coming out. Just fill people in if they're not aware what the scene is like on the scout sleepover day, because I know it's it is a highlight of the season for a lot of young Gold Eyes fans, and it really is a unique event that, uh, frankly, only happens in minor league baseball. Yeah, so we usually do this twice a year. Uh, sometimes three years. We had the Girl Guides sleepover earlier in the season. We had the Scouts sleepover coming up Saturday night. So right after the game, we clear everybody out, and then the Scouts and their parents come back in with their sleeping bags and tents, and they they uh, they get all camped out for the night in the outfield, and then they watch a movie and then uh, sleep overnight, and then they're gone by 9 in the morning. Oh, man, that... Um... <laughs> That'll be great. Now, do you uh, do you have to hang out all night and be a camp counselor for that, or do you actually do you actually get to leave the the facility? When I was much younger, I would stay all night just to make sure everything went well. I I don't do that anymore. No, I get watch the movie and then uh, and then I get out of here. Hey, um, speaking of making sure everything goes well, it was somewhat on ominous as we all got to the ballpark last night that everybody's phones started going off with tornado warnings. Uh, obviously, I mean, no harm, no foul with at the ballpark and everything went great. But what um, what happens if some really severe weather comes in? I fill us in on, as I know people are wondering, like, okay, like, what if? And I mean, God, we were lucky. I mean, if you look at the size of that supercell that ran through just Manitoba from north of the city, um, 
would have been a tough time to get our ball game in last night if that was over the city. But but what happens if you ever did have a tornado or something like that coming in the ballpark with the fans in the stands? Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of crazy yesterday. I was watching the radar from probably three o'clock on, and that cell just popped up north of the city, and it just grew and grew. and And the concern was that it would would come south. Um, fortunate for us, not so fortunate for those that live north of the city. Thoughts are with anybody who lost, uh, uh, had some damage from the storm. Um, but we were watching, and it continued to trend north and east. So probably by 6 o'clock, I wasn't terribly worried about it. Obviously, other things can pop up, but based on what I was seeing on the radar um, and the satellite, I, I was pretty sure that it was moving. But like you said, there are plans in place, and, and basically if, if some dramatic weather like that happened, the plan is is to have the fans, basically if you're in rows 10 and below, you would go down to the field and our fan service reps would usher everybody underneath uh, in the tunnels underneath and, and in the loading dock areas, so everybody's undercover. Um, rows 10 and up would go up to the concourse and then down the stairs to the same area. There's tons of space underneath the ballpark. So I'm confident that everybody would be safe and we'd be able to handle this in an orderly manner. And like I said, we were watching it um, every, every 30 seconds. I was refreshing my screen and I was watching the skies. And if the wind picked up at all, uh, we wouldn't have hesitated to, to move people underneath. Um, just, I mean, you've been with this club for a long time. What's the worst weather that, like, has there ever been, is there one weather event when it comes to Gold Ice Baseball that stands out amongst others? Um, well, our home opener in 2022, we had 80-kilometer-an-hour winds during the game, so that wasn't a lot of fun. It it wasn't really dangerous, but it was it was miserable to be here watching the game. Um, we've had situations where it's picked up the tarp, even with sandbags on it, and thrown it into the outfield. <laughs> one of the greatest tarp stories I have is Rick Forney came out one day because it was so windy. He actually came out to help, and he was on the end holding on to, to one of the straps, and this gust of wind just picked up, and everybody just let go. He hung on, and the tarp went flying, and he was standing there with the strap. It actually ripped out of his hands. He was still holding the strap, and the tarp was gone. I can see Rick was a big, strong dude. He's one of the few guys capable of still holding that thing on and going toe to toe with Mother Nature. It was an incredible sight, and we've had—you've seen the tarp videos where people get trapped underneath. We've had that situation before. We, we've had to go find cell phones and radios after the fact. We've we've pulled the tarp in and sleet and hail and. Yeah, over the years, you see just about everything, and I was hoping that we didn't see another event last night. So thankfully, it uh, um, it passed by. Well, I mean, looking at some of the size of those hailstones at some of those areas, I mean, that would have nuked the entire parking lot. So um, listen, we, uh, we we dodged one last night, and thank God because uh, I think everyone, the over 100 people that came out for the Winnipeg Sports Talk crew, was. Uh, very happy to uh, max out on uh, everything that night. Some food, some beers, some good times, and that's what uh, heading out to the Gold Eyes is all about. Uh, good luck this weekend. Keep it rolling on uh, on home field. Uh, some fun nights, some good promos, and uh, hopefully some continued wins for the home team. 
Yeah, that would be great. It was uh, it was so much fun having you guys here last night and all your listeners, all your viewers. And like I said, next year, bigger and better. You bet. Andrew, good luck this weekend. Thanks for doing this as always. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks to Andrew and uh, the Goldeye staff for the great hospitality last night. And again, to everyone that came out. And if you didn't, you missed out. But we'll be doing something again maybe in August. So uh, stay tuned to WST for that. Um, all right. We've got to give a shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. We almost drained them out of generic lager last night, I think. And a special shout out to Brett, the beer guy, and his other cohorts. The beer man doesn't get enough appreciation at the best of times, but on a day like yesterday, those dudes were working overtime, and uh, obviously we were loving the good stuff from our friends at Little Brown Jug, our favorite local beer, 19 and ni- uh, 1919, and new generic lager available at the ballpark, and at 1919 now available at Winnipeg Stadium. And listen, the best place to try all the Little Brown Jug offerings is the brewery and tap room down on William Avenue. Beautiful new patio. They launched at the end of last year where actually we had our first sports trivia night get on down there and hey you can also find little brown jug anywhere that sells great beer and i gotta give a thanks to our friends at aikens lake wilderness lodge we're down to the single digits of the countdown for my favorite three days of the year if you are thinking about a world-class fly-in fishing experience for a corporate event customers or a friends and family trip where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. Aikens is the space. World-class fishing only surpassed by the world-class hospitality of the Aikens team and the Turan family. Find out more online, AikensLake.com, or hit them up on Twitter, at Aikens Lake. And, of course, no ASD tonight, but they're back at the track coming up on Monday Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the following week will, of course, be the Manitoba Derby. We'll talk to uh, Darren Dunn coming up next week with a little bit more on the Derby as well. Um, We're not done yet, though. Had a chance a little earlier to catch up with former Super Bowl winner quarterback Sean King of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sean now hosts primetime on VEASAN. And lots of interesting NFL stories as camps are open around the league. And uh, here's Sean King looking ahead to NFL season on WST. Sean, what is up? It is uh, great to have you on the program. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be on the airwaves in the great, is it city or state of Winnipeg? Uh, City of Winnipeg, province of Manitoba, and... uh, the very large country of Canada that has a hell of a lot of NFL fans, I will tell you that. And, of course, you're down in Vegas, home of the Stanley Cup champions. We saw the Stanley Cup's going to be here for the next little probably month because of how many Manitobans there were on the Vegas Golden Knights. But uh, but it is good. I, I'm really pumped to have you on the show because, um, I mean, there's a lot of intrigue going into this season, as there always is. But let me just ask you, as a former NFLer, what does this time of year remind you of? Guys going back to training camp. I mean, uh, we're still not even close to the regular season right now. What is this period of time like for NFLers and quarterbacks in particular? Well, it depends on who you are. I mean, if you're a rookie, it's full of excitement. It's your first camp. You've been dreaming of it your entire life. If you're a big free agent acquisition, like Aaron Rodgers is refreshed. You know, new surroundings, new teammates, 
Uh, but for most of the vets, especially if you did not have turnover at coordinator or head coach, uh, you're not looking forward to camp. I mean, two a day, sleeping in a hotel with some some guy, like it, it's not fun. You can't, vets could do away with camp, and it's not nearly as taxing as it used to be. Now they only have three preseason games, a lot less two-a-days, so it's easier, but it's still not something as a vet that you look forward to. You, you know, I, it's funny. We were talking to Mark Stone last night. Um, you know, of course, you know, when you win a championship, you have a much shorter off-season. There's a lot more that goes into it. You, of course, were you know, part of that Super Bowl team with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How different is the off-season and the beginning of training camp for a team like the Kansas City Chiefs right now that's been uh, celebrating their win for the last few months? Um, <clears throat> it's, it's not that different, to be honest, because of the parity that exists in the NFL. Unlike most professional leagues, you legitimately have a chance to go from last to first. Look at Jacksonville and what they were under Urban Meyer two years ago. Complete, I mean, just... Maybe one of the worst sports years in history for an organization in any league. The following year, entered Doug Peterson, basically the same roster, and they're not only in the playoffs with a division title, they win a first-round playoff game with a scintillating second-half comeback versus the Chargers, and they didn't embarrass themselves at Kansas City. Because of the historical context that it really doesn't take a long time to turn it around, the offseason is generally full of excitement or at least expectation for most of the 32 teams. You know, uh, I, I imagine former QBs look at some of the money that's being thrown around to QBs right now and go, man, if only I was around 20 years later. Um, but, I mean, we saw this massive extension for Justin Herbert yesterday. Um <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, I think, is like ninth now, and he only signed his deal a couple of years ago, and he signed for the next nine years. He has said that he doesn't really care as much about the money. He realizes that it's a cap world, and this allows them to keep more of these guys that have helped them win championships. If he has basically that Brady mentality that Brady had throughout the his time in New England for the most part, how are people? How are teams going to stop Kansas City if uh, Pat Mahomes is more than happy on playing on a majorly discounted deal? Uh, <clears throat> it's really a huge issue for the NFL. They've gotten caught up into paying the position as opposed to paying the player. And here's what I mean by that. Justin Hurts, who led his team to a Super Bowl, signed for $155 million. So when Lamar Jackson got his deal done, he had to get a little more, which was 160 Now, Justin Herbert has to get a little more, which is 162 And it's still this little game that the NFL has allowed themselves to get caught up in, and it really, I think, will have a negative long-term impact. And I'm a person that wants the players to make as much as possible. But you can't justify paying Daniel Jones coming off a year where he threw 15 touchdown passes and you didn't pick up his fifth-year option, $100 million plus guaranteed, but you don't want to play Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley's a better football player than Daniel Jones. They just play different positions. And I think that's what's extremely dangerous. If you ask me, you're paying Justin Herbert strictly on potential. 
if Justin Herbert was really worth $162 million, how in the hell did the Chargers lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars last year in the second, with that second half collapse in the first round of the playoffs? And so what you're doing is you're looking at Herbert and you see the small sample size of elite things that he does, and you're paying him in the hopes that that becomes the norm. But if we're being honest, Herbert is extremely talented, but also has been inconsistent. I can watch Justin's tape and say he has to improve markedly in multiple areas before he ever will be an actual championship quarterback. But he has the tools to do it. I don't know that I could ever say that about Daniel Jones. Yet their contracts from a guaranteed money standpoint are in the same ballpark. So this is something that's going to be interesting as we move forward. And Kansas City just is lucky to answer your Patrick Mahomes question. Zach Martin the all-pro guard from the Dallas Cowboys is in the same situation. Signed a multi-year extension with the Cowboys, I think, two years ago. Yet multiple guards that he thinks are inferior to him have come up for contract renewals, and now he's down the list like Mahomes is. He's decided not to show up for camp because he's saying, I'm a better player than other guys at this position who have gotten bigger deals and more money than me because their deal subsequently came up six months to 10 months after I did mine. Sean King of Vison with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Show. And let me ask you about this upcoming season in the in terms of this. Every year, it seems there's a team that goes from worst to first in their division. There's teams that make huge, huge strides. When you look at either the AFC or the NFC, is there a team or two that you think is poised to make a huge jump this year and go from being basically irrelevant to at least being a playoff contender, if not in the postseason? Well, the team that I'm high on in the AFC is the Tennessee Titans. Uh, in 2020, they were 11 and five. In 2021. They were 12 and five in 2022. A lot of people forget this, which is last year. They were seven and three. And then they just completely collapsed down the stretch injuries. I think some of the side effects uh, energy wise of the general manager who also ended up being fired, trading AJ Brown against the wishes of Mike Vrabel. They, they lost seven in a row and that's how Jacksonville snuck into the playoffs. So fast forward, They've signed DeAndre Hopkins, Ryan Tannehill's in a contract year, Derek Henry's in a contract year, and Mark Vrabel still is the head coach. I'm high on Tennessee. I think they're going to win that division. Uh, I do think they're a legit threat, you know, come playoff time. So the AFC team, I think I said AFC, the AFC team for me is the Titans. And in the NFC, I'm really big on Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. Think about where they sit post um, uh, Russell Wilson trade. When that trade was made, people were like, oh, my God, Seattle's in the tank. They're, they're tanking for the number one pick. All of a sudden, they made the playoffs that, that subsequent year and were ahead at halftime versus the San Francisco 49ers. They've upgraded and added to their roster via the assets they acquired from the Russell Wilson trade. I love what Pete Carroll has going. Geno Smith signed an extension. He's happy. They added Jackson Smith and Jigba to a receiving court that already had DK Metcalf and, and Lockett. I like Seattle to win the NFC West ahead of San Francisco. I haven't heard many people have that opinion. You know, those are some nice numbers, too. I'm looking Seattle plus 250 to win the West, and Tennessee is 4-1. to one. I mean, the Jags, people are in on the Jags. Uh, certainly the bookies are at minus 154. Um, just before we go, Sean, the Chiefs and the Eagles are the defending champs of each respective conference. 
Who uh, who do you think is the biggest threat to each team in their conference from uh, running it back and being back in the big game in February? A lot of parity in the AFC. I mean, a lot of parity. If you list the top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL, probably 10 of them on most lists are AFC uh, players. So anytime you're dealing with that caliber of talent, I mean, anybody can beat anybody come to playoffs. I mean, if, if Rodgers and the Jets make it and he gets hot or Josh Allen and the Bills make it or Joe Burrow and the Bengals who've been in the AFC championship game the last two years at Arrowhead, beat them one time. Uh, it took a terrible uh, – personal foul call last year in order to get that game uh, to end in the Chiefs' favor in regulation. So I think the AFC is wide open. The Chiefs just got to prove that uh, losing their two coordinators isn't something that's going to make them regress. Uh, both the OC and the DC are now head coaches. So we'll see what impact they had from game to game being able to make adjustments in game. And the people that now man those positions are they just as capable. Yeah, the uh, I mean the Chiefs are, 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 are a, Andy Reid deserves a lot of credit, but you do uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Eric Bieniemy can do. It's about damn time that he got an opportunity to go and uh, do it somewhere else and then turn into that head coach. Um, what about for the Eagles? I mean, is there is there a clear number one threat to Philly on the uh, NFC side, Sean? I don't think so. For me, it's Seattle, but I think most people would say San Francisco. Uh, I'm a little concerned that. That quarterback situation is a little more volatile than they think. They seem to have put all their eggs in Brock Purdy's basket, yet they thought so highly of Brock out of college, they waited to the seventh round to draft him. And then they thought so much of him out of training camp that they started Trey Lance and then went to Garoppolo when Trey Lance got hurt. So, I mean, you can lie to me, but just don't do it, you know, directly in my face. So, what happens if Brock Purdy does not play at the level of that fantastic run that he uh, encountered last year? How healthy is he coming off of that injury? Don't only see Tommy John type injuries in that league. So I think they have some question marks. Uh, Joey Bosa has decided that uh, he's going to take the Zach Martin approach. He feels like he's worth more than some of these DNs that just recently got their contracts renewed. So he's not at camp. They dealt with this last year with Debo Samuel. I think there are some question marks there. D'Amico Ryans is not the D coordinator now. He is in Houston as the head coach. So I don't think this is as seamless as people think for San Francisco. Hey, Sean, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for doing this. And just fill people in on uh, what you got cooking on uh, VEASAN with the primetime show. So you guys can catch us on VEASAN. That's the Vegas Sports Information Network. That's V-S-I-N. If you have YouTube TV, we're on YouTube TV. You can download the app. You can listen to the show for free for a small fee. You can actually uh, get the video access to the show. It's Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 Pacific. Uh, if you're a social media person, follow me on Twitter, at RealSeanKings. King, that's S H A U N. If you're on Instagram, it's at Coach Sean King. Uh, enjoy the uh, upcoming NFL season. I'll tell a quick story as we exit. I have been to Winnipeg before. I was tricked by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They made me think that that team was based in Mississauga, not in Hamilton. Uh, they did not take me to uh, Hamilton on my visit. They took me to Mississauga. So uh, it was a situation where I got fooled. But the first preseason game was in Winnipeg. So shout out to everybody there in Winnipeg. Enjoy your year. Great. Thanks for having me on. Sean, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully we can maybe catch up in the season. You be well, my friend, and uh, keep on uh, doing it over at Feaston. Thanks for your time. 
<laughs> what a what a story. Tricked by the Hamilton Tiger Cats by taking him to Mississauga as opposed to Hamilton getting him to sign there. That uh, was brief. But uh, shout out to Craig Smith, who was uh, mentioning. I believe Craig was uh, involved with the Tiger Cats at the time, and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was dealt. But um, fun getting together with Sean King. Cannot wait for NFL season, fantasy drafts, and whatnot over the course of the next month. But Remus, uh, while we were playing that with Sean, um, I hope Winnipeg Walter's not in the chat right now because Joe Burrow just got carted off in practice. Saw a video. It was a non-contact injury. Um, you got to be freaking out if you are the Bengals and if you're Joe Burrow's agent. Of course, he has been playing right now despite not having his new contract yet. And he said, hey, he didn't want to miss chances to get better. God, this would be horrible if he got hurt. I mean, uh, obviously, I support a different team, but Joe Burrow is one of those stars that we need to have on Sunday. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through X right now, uh, formerly known as Twitter. A lot of videos. I love calling it X, actually. I I, I do. I got a text like during the game from my brother. Like, ugh, I hate X. This is so stupid. I'm like, yep. And uh, so <laughs> there's, there's a video of him. Uh, his non-contact injury getting carted off. We'll wait and see what happens. You hope that it's not serious, but right in the middle as we're playing this interview with Sean King, and I'll say this, Andy McNamara showed to him for messaging me. He's like, hey, you want Sean King on the show? I'm like, Sean King, former quarterback? And I used to be Sean King all the time in NFL uh, 2K on Dreamcast. So uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. And people say, I don't remember him on the Ticats. According to Wikipedia, uh, he signed with the Ticats in 2007 and was released 18 days later to cur- pursue a career in broadcasting. So he was on ESPN, now on VEASAN. After WST started, yeah, 18 days after he signed with the Ticats. <laughs> so I think he just, just felt like he was lied to, and he had to leave, apparently. So I'd love to hear more about that story and more about his experiences with his 18 days oh. in the CFL. Yeah, listen, this Joe Burrow injury is taking over the chat. Brad Batters, no, I know. I mean, I would be freaking out too. Uh, I can tell you if I heard <laughs> that same thing about Patrick Mahomes, I would not be able to continue with the show. Um, so we just hope that, you know, it is precautionary or nothing that will keep him out of the lineup for too long um, because he is the Bengals, um, to are, be perfectly Are you honest. racing? Are you, I know the Chiefs are in the AFC, but are you racing to put on some futures right now? You probably already have them on the Chiefs. It'd be well. You know what? This is an interesting. I've, they certainly won't be going on the uh, on the Bengals. But uh, let's check the cool bet line. This is and, what you do, has sort of thing. You hear an injury and you immediately try to take advantage of some uh, go, some. Go to the futures. Go to the futures right now. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> AFC. Where's AFC? Where is AFC North? Where the hell is? It? I'm pretty sure it's going to be off the board. They took it off the board already. There it is. It's off the board. It's not As even there. See, they work fast. How fast oh. are these guys at Cool Bed? They must be trolling X all day for this. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Um, you know, that's quick, man. That happened like five minutes ago. While we are here right now, uh, they do have all the other division uh, bets right now. Here are your favorites. Bills plus 120 to win the AFC East. Your Jets plus 260 is interesting. Uh, the Jags are minus 154 to win the South. Sean likes the Titans, 4-1. to one. Maybe some really good value there. Chiefs minus 154 to win the West. Chargers are next up at four uh, plus 350. And then the NFC, 
has the Eagles at minus 105 to win the East. The Detroit Lions, I don't know if in my lifetime the Lions have ever been the favorite in the NFC North, but that is the case by a pretty considerable margin, to be honest. The Saints in the NFC South, which is an ugly, ugly division. And then the NFC West, there's minus 182 for the Niners. And if you like uh, what Sean was saying about Seattle, plus 250 right there. Um, <laughs> CFL, we just did the lock shop. We've got a new partner parlay. We, we, uh, the games are as follows. Ottawa's minus one and a half at home to Hamilton. Touchdown Atlantic game, Riders and Argos. Argos are 10.5-point favorites out in the Maritimes. BC, 7.5-point favorites Saturday night in Edmonton against the Elks. And uh, oh, Calgary and Montreal, Montreal, minus 2.5. We hit our exclusive last week in the lock shop, plus 7.25. We got a new one that is up right now. Ottawa, minus 1.5 against uh, Hamilton. BC, minus 7.5 against the Elks. And Calgary plus two and a half against Montreal plus six sixty. Get on it right now over in the Cool Bet exclusives. So Craig Smith, who worked with the Tie Cats at the time, uh, was strong. He says, he says, I don't remember that at all. Re Mississauga, never heard that. So <laughs> I, I don't know. This is what Sean King claimed. It was a great, hey, great story. He just dropped that at the end. It was a long time ago. Who knows? You'd maybe be the one that could uh, verify it for us, Craig, more than uh, more than anyone. So, uh, so let us know. Um, before we go, um, I got to give a shout out to T. Kona Pauly, and I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about this uh, tomorrow uh, more in and around marbles when we always have a big boost of people popping in. Um, but T. Kona uh, also big cash guy like myself. Was having issues with YouTube and Super Chats. Anyways, made a very generous donation for the GoFundMe for Dancing Gabe, as well as another one for Brady Oliveira's um, Dog Rescue. So, T. Konopoli, you're the man. Um, we are going to be matching those and doing our own donations. But um, I'm going to do, we'll, we'll put, I just wanted to give T. Konopoli a shout out on that. Tomorrow on the show around marbles, we will drop the GoFundMe link for uh, for Gabe and for Brady. If you would like to make a donation as well, um, and thanks again to uh, to T Konopoli for doing just that. Uh, what are you going to watch tonight, Rebo? I, I'm sort of lost. No Jays, no CFL game tonight. There's and the other World Cup baseball. doesn't start until like midnight. There's other baseball. Um, what am I going to watch? There's a show on Apple TV, uh, The After Party Season 2. Maybe I'll get into that with my wife. We haven't started it. Um, oh, maybe I'll watch the quarterback series tonight. The quarterback series. Yeah. Well, now I keep seeing the quarterback series on Netflix was so successful, but now they're having trouble getting people for Season 2. It's like it's like hard knocks now. They don't want to do it. Oh, Shark Week. I don't care about Shark Week. Uh, oh, Craig Smith says about Sean King. I was so happy to get him. Was after him for a while. Thought he'd be excellent in the CFL, but it didn't work out. Didn't Interesting. Work out. Yeah, he'd been around. Yeah, he had a nice little run there with the Bucks for a while and was back up on that 03 championship team. So uh, it was fun to have him on the show today. Uh, we uh, should get out and get this podcast loaded up. But once again, 
to everyone that came out last night. It was so much fun seeing you all. We will definitely do it again soon, and we really do appreciate the support. Speaking of support, shout out to all the sponsors and everyone hanging with us today, even on one of the more dead days on the sporting calendar of the entire year. Tomorrow, though, we will have Hacksaw for a little more NFL talk. Scott Billick, Brandon Rewicki as well, and, of course, a marble race to get you ready for the weekend. Uh, For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow on WST. Thanks so much. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.